Hard brother, face with hard luck. Face, 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 face with hard luck. Card shots, Steve Smurdy was with hard luck. Pips and card shots, Steve Smurdy was with hard luck. Your brother, face with hard luck. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified West Side host, Steve Lucky Luciano. I want to welcome all my listeners. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning in Santa Monica, California. About a stone's throw away from the beach. Big shout out to PYFC today. Oscar De La Torre. Hey, listen, we've got a great show because this is the greatest show on earth. On my left today, you've got Trumahan Bowen, American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant, and I mean elegant barbarian, coming for all your women and children. That's right. Who, who isn't here? Maybe we should. Yeah. Who isn't here? You want to know who isn't here, which is why it sounds a little different, is Sean the Sound Guy. Oh, Blue Eyes. Blue Eyes is not here. And why isn't Sean here? I don't know, but this is getting to be a fucking habit with this guy. I can't take this shit. I mean, this isn't like, uh, do you know that Sean's gotten jobs off of this podcast? That people have hired him, paid him lots of money to come? Listen, whoever paid Sean, if you're listening right now, you take the money you pay Sean and give it to Chumahan the Indian because I'm actually running the sound right yeah, now. Yeah, right? man, it's crazy. And it sounds That's so much fun. better than when Sean does it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a blue ribbon job. Sean just cut himself out of the picture. If he's not careful, he better be very careful. Listen, whatever Sean's charging you, I'll charge you 75% <laughs> of that. Anyway, he's not here because, and why isn't he here? He isn't here because uh, he has to babysit. He's got a babysit. He's got a babysit. So, guy, you know what? And I talked to that guy, and I'm like, dude, you live in Los Angeles. How is it that you don't, you can't find a freaking babysitter? Like, what is it really that hard to find a babysitter? And listen, how do how do and this, how expensive can it be? Ten bucks an hour? Oh, Four hours? Come on, forty bucks for you to do the show with us, dude. You know, he tries to complain to me about it a little bit, and I and I hate to tell him this, but my mother in law was a single mother mm-hmm. who started out cleaning houses. On her own, single mother with two daughters, she could find babysitters every day, day in, day out, made it work. Yeah. And this guy's got two incomes. He lives like in one of the nicer parts of Los Angeles, and they can't figure out how to find a babysitter. I don't get it. So I don't get it. So our sound engineer isn't here today. I figured so that out. That. Figured that out. All right, <laughs> we got we got Robert here, showrunner. Robert. Robert. There it is. Yeah. Showrunner, producer extraordinaire. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Robert. Robert, this is Stanley. I want you to come over here. I've got a, I've got a limited edition comic book in my pocket. I need you to pull it out. I got a new idea for a character. It's, 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 about it's in my front pocket. It, it, it's called Erection Man. Come over here. I want to show you what happens to him when he gets excited. <laughs> when he gets angry. <laughs> oh, boy. Sean. Oh, hey, hey, Sean. Yeah. Riley's got guns bunked all over this place. Just take one and fucking stop these guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> if you could find so, it in anyway. yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so. And we got uh, some guests on. Who do we got? Okay. We got a couple people. Oh, by the way, Johan, our 
photographer from uh, Sweden's here. Swedish Johan. Yep. Just Look making at it happen, bro. He's making it happen. He's doing all sorts of photo shoots all over. And he just loves coming down to the show and, and taking pictures of uh, my guests. You know what? Great photographer. Listen, let me tell you something about Johan. All right. So I'm going to describe Johan a little bit. I mean, if this guy is the, he's more Swedish than fucking meatballs. <laughs> right? I mean, look at Damn. it. Look at it. About he's as Swedish as you get. Yeah. He's got the blonde hair. He's got like a weird craggly Nordic Viking kind of stubble going on. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. got these eyes that look like they're ready to storm some kind of British village. Yeah, he's yeah, looking yeah, for yeah. women to pillage. Yeah. He's got his camera and he's walking around and. The guy's kind of, um, and he's really interesting because I, I asked him, I'm like. Um, and he's got like a hawk's claw necklace. <laughs> now that's. A, <laughs> dude, what the. That, that's Johan. some Viking shit right there. What's with the hawk's claw necklace? Yeah, I think it's a whole Viking tradition thing, actually. You either wear like a tourist hammer or you have yeah. like some sort of animal thing. And yeah. Nice. I say Pete it's Conti lets him wear his hat. I think no, yeah. dude. I I th I think that, uh -huh. that that didn't make any sense to me. What he just said. <laughs> he said I think it's some kind of Viking thing, and I think you wear a piece of animal and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is why Johan doesn't have a microphone. Yo, listen, Johan <laughs> uses that. I watch him to open up like drinks and stuff. He's using that to open up cans or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. hawk's claw looks. You know, I'll tell you something. I used to uh, drive to, through Quartzsite. I don't know if anybody knows Quartzsite, Arizona, but it's on the freaking 10 as you're going out of, and it's this shit, hot, fucking dusty waste. Hot like this room? Worse than this room. Makes okay. this room look like it's fucking uh, Iceland. Okay. And you go through this thing in Quartzsite, and now in Quartzsite, right, it's in the middle of nowhere, and it's like where truck drivers stop to get meth and whores and do all the shit that <laughs> oh, truck shit. drivers do. All right, check it out. How do you but, spell it? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll share the location with you later. <laughs> so the thing is, is but when they, ha uh, so, but they have all this weird swap meet there, so I'd go there and get shit, mm. and I was working in Hollywood at this time, mm. and I was the assistant to like this uh, John Davis, the producer, big producer. Right. I got a million and great stories about all that. But anyway, so I stopped by there and I'm American Indian and they had a raccoon claw keychain. Oh, nice. Like a, a legit raccoon. Oh, yeah. claw. I don't even know where you get that. From a, but, from a raccoon, probably. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy this thing, and I'm going to go back to John Davis. I'm going to put on my keychain. I'm going to let him see it. Because John Davis is like lives in Bel Air, and I'm right, his right. Indian assistant. And, yeah. and it's total bullshit, but I'm yeah. going to be like, I'm going to act like this is like a weird Indian like a thing. You have a raccoon's claw on my thing and see if I can scare John. So I walked into the room and like I had some documents for him to sign or whatever. Uh -huh. And I had it hanging from my, my thing. <laughs> and John Davis looks at my belt loop and he sees like a raccoon claw <laughs> hanging from it. And yeah. he goes, oh my God, baby, what's that? And I go, oh, that's just a raccoon claw. And he's like, oh my God, kid, why do you have that? And I'm like, because it's an American Indian thing, John. I can't really talk about it. And he's like, Oh my God! I go listen. It's it it's it's it, if it's pointed at the wrong person, it could give him a lot of bad luck. And he's like, Oh my God, baby, please don't point that thing at me. <laughs> true story. True story. All right, bring us bring us bring us to why we're really here, Steve. Well, for one, we've got a couple guests in here. But we got my boy Peter Conti. Yes, he came down today. Pete Conti. The Pete writer. Conti's back. He's a he's a bicoastal guy. 
Bisexual, bicoastal guy. Bicurious. No, he's bicoastal. This gentleman is just a dear friend of mine for a very long time. He's uh, also a professor at Columbia Ooh, University in New York. And he, he works a lot. He works at a lot of places, but he's also oh. a fantastic writer who published a great book about about four years ago called The Gringo. Um, he's written a, a few fantastic plays. Just an extremely talented and dear friend. Very talented friend of mine. Pete Conti. Let's welcome Pete in. Yeah, Pete. Thank you. I had no idea we've got an actual Ivy Leaguer. Now listen, Pete and me have another friend that he brought down today as well. And uh, Riley's a, a good friend of Pete's. Uh, me and Riley are recent friends. And uh, we have uh, shared some things in common. Yeah. Uh, quite unique. Uh, another talented writer. Yes. Um, so I want to welcome Riley onto the show as well right now. Riley, welcome to the show, Riley. my friend. Come on in. Come on in. Sit down right there. Yeah, there you go. Right next to Chumon. Right. You can have any cigar in the box that you want. Which one do you want? You want that one? I like the dark ones too. Okay. All right. He's looking for him. Yeah. He's a cigar smoker. Yeah. You say that to the wrong yeah, guy. No. I'm going to grab some cigars with him later. Yeah. I'm down with that. You want to know something? Remember where Doc used to go smoke cigars all the time? Yes. The dentist? The V-cut. Yeah. The box... The dentist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, that crazy was my, doc, yeah. That was my sponsor, man. That was no my shit. man. I, that was my I'm, buddy. Hey, bro, I, I was on his. Uh, I was an executioner of his will. Really? Yeah, bro. Good I dude. thought you were gonna. I say went with his wife. Yeah. I went with his <laughs> wife. Uh, his no wife and his son to like go that. do the whole ceremonies. That was my sponsor for uh, four and a half years. That guy was like a dad to me. Yeah, he's a good I dude. Was at his house. Oh, brother, yeah. broke my heart and. Uh, I watched him go through this process and pass away very quickly. And uh, uh, he asked me to be, is it is that the right word? Ex not executioner, what is it? executor. Executor. Yeah. Executor. <laughs> yeah, executor. Executor of his will. Everything's about execution. Yeah, with me. But anyways, ex executor of his will. But uh, his wife, his son, very dear people to me. And when I didn't bring it up because I was looking at the timing and I'm like, he probably doesn't even know who Doc was. Yeah. Doc was one of the first guys when they first opened that place over there and he introduced Doc me to Doc used to make all of our mouthpieces in boxing. Yeah. I met him when I was at a Broadway gym back in the uh, early 90s. You, yeah, he, he did Tyson's. Riley, he did a bunch of big fighters. Riley's a boxing dude, right? You, you trained with... Who did you train with? There was an older gentleman that you trained with that's famous. Bill Slayton. Bill Broadway Slayton. Gym, yeah. He trained with Damn. Bill Slayton in boxing. Yeah crazy you know doc quick story about him mm -hmm. so he saw me over the years you know little juvenile delinquent then i started making some money mm -hmm. and when i got my bought my first rolex i remember him seeing me in the gym and he goes uh well you picking tall cotton now huh <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he knew Good that you yeah. know i made that pop to the next level so yeah, you know, yeah, but he yeah, had yeah. he had non-stop little jokes like that but sure yeah he did dude, you know yeah, he did, man. Yeah, and the, the guy that you trained with that was training you uh, in the boxing, um, he also trained, was it Norton or? Who he worked beat, with Kid Norton. Who but, beat Muhammad Ali, right? Yeah, broke his jaw, yeah. yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah, well, I know the fighter, yeah. I Do know you the, know that? Yep, know the history. And I, I in, in. Uh, it wasn't the first time he had a jaw broken. Right. Yeah. Frazier broke it too. Yeah. What was it like training, man? What did you learn from boxing that was. Um, something that carried you through in life what does that mean how would how would how would he how would he train you on knowing your limits what did that mean 
Well, each trainer you have, I mean, you, you can get so much from one guy. And I started off with him at 13 years old. So going to the next person, they might bring a little something else to the table. Right. You know, if, from the physical standpoint. But, you know, you watch a guy and you see his style and the way he lives his life. But know your limits. If you're not ready, the, the, the scorecards are not going to say, oh, but he was sick that day. Right. You know, he had a he had an upset stomach. Right. Don't, don't fight. Don't make any excuses. And if you're uh, it, it's not a it's not a sport you play. You know, you can get boxing. killed. Yeah. You don't boxing play boxing. serious. Yeah. And, and if you take that into life, don't take on shit you can't handle. Right. At what point in your life did you feel like you actually hit what you regard as a true limit? Oh, Shit, how many times over? I, <laughs> I don't know how many times over I've hit that. I mean, uh, you, you know, I know what I can handle, and I know what my breaking points are and my strengths. So uh, every day you go over <laughs> what you can and can't handle. And, right. You know, I, before I got incarcerated and went off to university, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had a guy... You know, you still hear shit come through the pipeline. And I looked at the situation. I was like, ah, it's not for me. Right. To where years prior, you know, just running and gunning, that would have, I would have been all over it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm in a county jail for about six months. And I see that guy's crime partners. There's about five of them. And the job that they were running down, to me, it was a straight setup. There was never a job. It was... Um, it was an entrapment situation. Like a sting. Yeah, so here you got six different gunners sitting in a, a minivan about to go pull off this job, they think. <laughs> you know, behind this door number one is a couple keys. Right. And uh, really what it was was a whole task force waiting for them. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it just... Yeah. It just surprise, uh, yeah. surprise, surprise. <laughs> it just didn't seem right for me from the beginning when I heard it. I mm-hmm. wasn't starving for money. It, you know, it's just one of the many things that come across your ears. This is interesting, <sighs> Stephen. This this is to you too. Like, uh, there's an, like we've now we've had a bunch of crime dudes come through, and some of them are some of Steve's friends, and some of Steve's you know his checker passed, and da da da. Is like, is there an instinct that comes up where you start hearing about different jobs, and some of them you can just smell? One thousand percent, bro. And let me tell you something. At at his age, yeah, and at my age, right. If you're still standing around, there's probably a reason you're still standing around. If you've had to make it through, and I'm not going to speak on any other prisons except California State Prison. If you have had to make it through some tours, especially some long ones, then you you have that instinct. There, there's something that you have. You're not your average. You just not, man, and I and I think that um, when the job's told to you, though, like like, does it come across when you start doing like you listen to the way the guy says it, and you can just tell by the way he says it that there's something off, or is it how does that work exactly? Well, in that particular one, as a as a <laughs> overall example, yeah. uh, some guys who transport items right. to other states, dry goods for other guys, right. They didn't like the cut that they agreed that they would take. And now they want to twist the guys. Already, you're a piece of shit in my book. Yeah. Right. Right. So, right. Um, oh, okay, so wait a second. Let me break that down because what you're saying makes kind of sense to me. You're saying, like, look, 
if there's a job or a deal that's going down and the guys who are setting it up don't have any kind of like integrity or there's something kind of stinky about their motivation and why they're doing it. Red flag then, number one. Then yeah. get yeah. at, don't bother. Yeah. So my only retort to my buddy was, why don't we just snag their shit? <laughs> they're right, pieces they're of scumbags shit. anyways they're gonna be left holding the hot potatoes so let them deal with it right you know i don't they're not on my team so to speak and right they're already doing some scummy shit to guys that are putting money in their pockets so, right uh, so they're yeah. not entitled to any kind of loyalty or yeah, whatever no leeway it's uh they've already shown me that they're pieces of shit and granted all of this was a complete made-up story right like, right it was some Bell's bondsman in Bakersfield who got busted and he <laughs> threw up some guy's name who I deal with who, you know, cops wanted to get off the streets. Yeah. So it was there was no crime, but in this fake setup crime, it just sounded like bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we heard about you heard about, you know, I can tell you many a times where it's just uh, either the person that was bringing the job their shit wasn't tight. Yeah. And so they're bringing me a job and I'm listening to it and I'm like, it just don't sound right. Don't right. feel right. It just it doesn't add up one way or another. But you remember Diablo was talking about yeah. how he was going up to that hotel. Yeah. And he's like, you know, it's quite a quite a good amount of, of product that they wanted. Right. And and he and he and he left it behind. He goes, I made a dry run. You know, I got turned on to these guys by somebody else. I'd never really done business. And sure enough. We're the fucking yeah. We're the man, you know. They yeah. grabbed them. They couldn't find it, you know. Right. But it's like I, I believe you do have a six six sense. Yeah, you and have to. It's that, and I think too, if you have half a brain and you're assessing, you're not a desperate running and gunning where you're not thinking shit out. Guys like that are fucking dangerous, and when they bring jobs over, they're dangerous and they're gonna get caught. Right. And I don't want anything. It ain't organized. It's not organized, and a lot of times, uh, I don't know. So I don't know. It's I think it's. Not only the sixth sense, hopefully you have that, but hopefully even before you come to that, you're smart enough or sharp enough to be like, this will line up. Listen, let me tell you something. This shit gets me in more trouble in my life than anything else because I got tons and tons of people around me, my wife, business partners, you name it, whatever, right? And they all got what they think are great ideas. Pete, you could probably relate to this. Great ideas. And then... When they explain to you their rationale, the idea, what happened, how they feel about it, sometimes I don't know exactly quite why this don't sound right, but it just doesn't sound right. Just doesn't make sense. Sometimes when I see the rationale for why somebody said they did X, Y, and Z, and they explain the reason, and they believe it themselves even at the surface level, I still have to tell them, you've seen it, where I'm like... That don't make that doesn't sound right. That doesn't add up. Doesn't make sense. I don't think that that's correct. Well, I'll tell you something, and I'm sure that Riley can uh, uh, attest to this with me. It's a real bitch when you get caught <sighs> and you're reviewing all of it in your head in the cell of exactly what you did, because you knew this shit wasn't right as you were doing it, and you turned a blind eye. You did something to convince yourself. Fuck it. I just. I'll, I'll muscle through it. We're just, but you knew back then there was already some shit that you were willing to push aside in order to get. But you got because uh, we ain't that good at criminals. How we didn't get that, that much hurt. How bad does it hurt to be Whoa. in the cell and to look back at some shit where you're like, that was a red flag that I ignored. Yeah, yeah. When you all you can do then is 
hopefully let out a laugh and say, uh, I fucking played myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, exactly. I played myself. I played a, next time, I won't. <laughs> if there's a next time, right? not again. There's a great line in the movie Body Heat. Uh, William Hurt is asking Mickey Rock to do an arson job. And Mickey says, for every decent crime, there's 50 ways to get caught. If you could think of 25, you're a genius. <laughs> yeah. And that's dead on. You know what yeah, I mean? There's yeah. a million ways to get caught on yeah. anything, I think. You know? Yeah. This is a foolproof plan. Ah, did you think about this one? Yeah. yeah exactly. Now, so that, that brings me to another point on this subject matter, which is like, I got to believe that every job, no matter how ironclad it is, has to carry with it a doubt where you're like, I mean, I would think that like, people like when you date that's people, why it's called crime well, and that's what i'm saying yeah, like, there you go listen when, when you're in when you're in the movie business right let's say and you got a screenplay and you've even got like a big titty to hit on your hands uh -huh. you know it kind of there's still always like a part of you that's like you know but this could go wrong that could go wrong except this with h2k Except with H2K. <laughs> Except with our thing. <laughs> right. We got to keep that quiet. Right, we can't right, right, break right. them off that. Yeah, That's okay, too much. Yeah, yeah. But my point is, is that I would think that you'd have that instinct, but then you'd also be thinking to yourself, like, you know, how, I, no matter how, what it is, there's never a slam dunk. Has there ever been a slam dunk job in your, in your, in your career, Steve? But you're asking if it was a slam dunk job or if there's a job that's a slam dunk. No, I'm asking you in your career where you actually said, this is going down. I, I, except for maybe some weird fucking universe chaos shit could go wrong. Screw falls out of a door. Da, 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 da. But other than that, this thing is ironclad. This is an easy one. Yeah, I, I, I have. And yeah, what, what, what are the characteristics of a job like that? It was more like a gimme. There was, <laughs> the, there was the inside. There's no way they were going to find us. There was no connection to me. Yeah. If it did go south, it was going to go south for somebody else. Because right. Because they basically handed off what they weren't supposed to kind of do. You know what I'm saying? It was <laughs> like, you know, um, one of those where it's like, Every base is covered, yeah. and the fallback is only going to fall back one person, right. and it ain't me. They don't even really know you ever who had I one am. Of those, Riley? I've had a couple give me's, but <laughs> one, one give me produced way more than what we were there for. In uh, a good way? In a beautiful way. In that, uh, <laughs> oh, look at the way he said it. <laughs> you see the way he said it. There's a false wall, and you know behind it, whew. There was, was more than summer. what you bargained for. Yeah, huh? it just was like, oh wow. Was that a this line? This will take from, a while. Was that a line? Was <laughs> yeah, that a I line like from Goodfellas? Is gonna be a good summer. Uh, it wasn't, but that is it definitely <laughs> applied. Remember when yeah. they steal yeah. the money yeah. from Lufthansa yeah. and yeah. he comes in and he yeah. goes. It's gonna be a, it's good, gonna be summer. a good summer. Yeah, yeah. those are those well, are the except rare when ones. he started whacking everybody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's why they call it crime, right? Yeah, but then there's plenty of them where. You got the safe and you open it up and it's just like paperwork in there. And you're like, fuck. <sighs> just spend four hours prying open the safe and how do you open now up we a got safe? nothing. How do you open up a safe, Riley? I see a lot of fucking... Get a locksmith. Movie. That's how you do it? Or you have someone you know is a locksmith who right. works off the books. Right. Easiest way. I got to believe that like every locksmith has to be tempted to be like, yeah, and on nights, I'll help you open up safes with... Who knows? Gems, you know, whatever inside. Well, you don't call one up in the yellow pages. No, you got to know. You got one that's referred part to of the team. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. You ever work with a locksmith to break open a safe? I never was that um, 
uh, sophisticated. Listen, the jobs that I was getting at weren't that sophisticated. Nobody had a kid. Nobody had. Yeah, a nobody even had a high school diploma. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, Riley. Let's let's get serious for a second. Okay. First of all, you know you could stay general, whatever you're saying, but statutes are passed, so I'm good. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, how hard is it to break into a house? First and foremost, like, tell me the truth. Like, how hard is it? Look at him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. And Mrs. Simple. Mr. Yeah, and Mrs. Uh, Earbuds, if you're listening to this, you better call like eight eighty T's right now. Yeah. Right. Well, there's the there's the first mistake is that we we have this illusion of security with human. Yeah. Human guards. Yeah. Technology, cameras, uh, infrared. Yeah. You know, motion detectors and all that. Yeah, our our uh, sponsor is ADT. That's all they uh, talk about. Right. All, all that I'm just kidding. That's all not that's great, <laughs> but all it all it takes is for you to figure out the crease. What does that mean? Uh, human error is gonna you know, we get tired. We we need to take a piss. We might get uh, distracted by something. You figure out the crease and you go from there. Cameras, there's always a blind spot. You know. How do you figure out where a camera's blind spot is? Uh, you think about the degree range of uh, viewing right the angle from the yeah. camera lens yeah okay then, all right that makes sense and maybe you're on the roof there's not one there is there a skylight is there this or that maybe you're the uh, repairman there's you just you sit and you wait and you right. figure it out maybe it isn't something i mean it may, maybe it's a push push through job where all that shit doesn't matter anyway <laughs> but yeah there you go yeah what, like like for an insurance thing or something? Uh, sure, okay. Whatever, <laughs> but you, you got <laughs> to push through, through meaning like in just brute force. You know, it's just, right, a, it's just right. a takeover. It's just we're, we're, we're pillaging the village. So, How long does it take to do a push through? Like, okay, I get it. You're saying you're ramming, you're battering ramming the fucking door. You're going in full aggro. How long do you have on a push through before you got to get out of there? Depends on where you are. I mean, uh, you know, certain... In West Hollywood, you're dead because sheriffs got what two miles. Right, they're just cover. down the street. Yeah, uh, LAPD, you know, nine one one's a joke. So you might have, yeah, you <laughs> might have forty five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, knowing your knowing your surroundings, knowing your area, and that's interesting. But then again, there's always that humbug. Just somebody's driving up the block. Yeah, man, yeah. that's the shit that you. That's the part. When you say like the the slam dunk, yeah, it, that's where the slam dunk, no matter how well yeah. you plan, right. can always go south because the element of like you just don't know some fucking yeah. somebody's home that wasn't supposed to be home. Yeah. They come out to take trash, and as soon as you guys exchange looks in the eyes, <laughs> yeah, they know you're not supposed to be there. Exactly, yeah. and depending on how big, like you know, some people will tell you that was right when I knew I had to get rid of that motherfucker. Yeah. You know, if it's that serious, yeah. right. but once that's done, you're in a whole nother ballgame. Everything's changed. And I remember in the middle of a job that I was doing with uh, Rest in Peace, my crime, and a couple of, you know, whatever. And Polly? there was people that, Polly, there was people that were not supposed to be there. This business was supposed to be closed. We didn't know that there was a Vietnamese family that was living in the back of this closed business. <sighs> They come out, look at the van, look at what's going on, saw us walking with guns. And as soon as Polly comes in, it's like, dude, these fucking people came out. So it was a wrap. 
we were the fuck out of there, bro. Right. We, uh, we were already caught due to a couple things. It was just a matter of time before they yeah. lined it all back. Now, you could have he could have pushed through and decided, fuck it. <clears throat> but then if he's sitting in that jail cell, like, fuck. I had four or five opportunities to abandon. Yeah, look at this, uh, this Joe Francis guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Granted. We had our interaction. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on a second. Here we go. Just gonna hold on a second. Yeah, not that easy. Wait, wait, wait. Before yeah. you start with that, yes. how much fan mail do you get from dads whose daughters were in Lake Havasu and drunk and got on camera <laughs> and they sent, they said, Mr. Riley, thank you so much mm-hmm. for what you did to Joe Francis because he embarrassed the shit out of my daughter. Here you go. Do you get anybody that says that? I got that when I was in prison. Yeah. Do you hear that? So Joe Francis. Right? Yeah. Girls Gone Wild. Right? right. That's the right. guy. He started Girls Gone Wild. He was the guy on all the ads with the fucking Girls Gone and Wild. And he would run around like Lake Havasu, Pismo Beach, all these places where college girls are at and they're drunk and get them to flash their titties or do whatever. Girls right? Gone Wild. For Somebody's daughter. Right. Yeah. All these dads' daughters. Yeah. All, right? all sorts of people's daughters. And he's making money off Millions it. of dollars Hand off the shit. Hand over fist. Real douchebag. Running around with Paris Hilton and laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, totally. Joe Francis. The the, the name itself kind of lends itself to douchebag. Hey, Joe Francis, you're scumbag. (laughs) (laughs) Scumbag. Come and see me. All right. So, so you got fan mail from dads. Okay, so what was your interaction with Joe Francis, (laughs) Mr. Riley? Prior to? Well, just tell the story. Oh. Uh, <laughs> However you feel like Okay so did you have Interactions with Joe Francis Prior to the night Yeah What yeah, kind of interactions yeah. Were those Well I knew him From the club scenes So he's running around clubs Yeah Running around Hollywood uh, Hollywood you know You stone throw away from A movie producer Dope dealer Right Or you know Criminal Right now, And he's a big shot At this point Like yeah. or, the, or does everyone Kind of know He's kind of scumbag well, Everyone but... knows He's scumbag But he's <laughs> He has the party. He has the parties yeah. going on. He has the He's party. He's got the money. Yeah, right, he, right, he, right. He, he had an opportunity early on where he was being looked at from his, for his entrepreneurial verve right, as right. the next um, uh, Hugh Hefner. Get, uh, right. right. And he, right. he fucked it up himself. It's like everyone was clapping for this guy that he had the balls to do something so simple and make some money off of it. Right. And he couldn't control his own his own appetites yeah so so let's put a little little thing right in there so that's interesting because what you're you're setting up is is okay it's an interesting formula hollywood's been doing it forever yeah show a woman's breasts on the screen you're gonna sell some tickets yeah and you can make a lot of money joe francis is like why do we even need a movie why don't i just take this video camera and let me just get them all right and start selling that cheap direct sales guy makes a mint so now people are thinking like maybe that's the new Playboy. Instead of girls in a magazine, mm-hmm. girls on film. Yeah. Makes sense. And they were in their natural element. They were doing what they were already going to be doing in, on spring break. He just had a camera there and they got a trucker hat. And you know what's interesting about that is that there's a kind of an element that to it that you get, which is you think you're saying like, look, it was a. Riley, you're saying there's a party scene, and so they probably were going to show their breasts at some point because they're drinking and having a good time acting crazy. But part of the mystique or whatever it is about Girls Gone Wild is is that you're getting a chance to see all these topless chicks that normally aren't topless. Like, it's kind of like a regular chick topless stuff, right? College girls, Exactly. So that was part of what he kind of captured. That was part of what was selling it. 
And then, so then he's looking at, like, people are like, maybe this is the next Hugh Hefner. And you're saying he couldn't get out of his own way. Yeah. And then he had to push the envelope. And now he's contriving situations, you know, having a professional girl, a hooker or porn girl, whatever, uh, create the situation. Now he, he steps into uh, rules of pornography. Right. Because now they're, uh, you know, they're getting it on sexually. And uh, was there alcohol involved? Now, right. now we have, and that's when he got arrested in Panama Beach, Florida. Right. Girls that uh, said they were, or he, he the onerous is on you to check to verify their age and all. Right. So it sounds like a setup. I mean, that to me, listen, I'm an attorney. So to me, right, like I would think that a guy who's going around, he must have checked the release forms for the Girls Gone Wild and really thought through like, okay, I got a million girls on tape. I'm selling their likeness. They're showing their tits. I got to get a release. And you're saying that he did get a release probably. You don't know, but just presumably uh, you did, he did get a release. And in return, they probably got something like a truck, trucker hat or like a cute T-shirt or some bullshit tchotchke thing or whatever, right? <laughs> and then you're saying, right, tchotchke, tchotchke thing. But then you're saying like, yeah, and then the guy decides he's going to take it up a notch, yeah. right? He's going to start producing his own movies, yeah. right? Now, this is a whole different field. He's not yeah. just in the area with people and doing stuff. Now he's entering a field where all setting the, it up. All the elements got to be right. Right, yeah. right. You would think a guy like that would have an attorney like <laughs> next strapped to, to his yeah, hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Velcro right next here, yeah. like telling him like, hey, <laughs> yeah. we need to get this form. We, oh, speaking of forms. Speaking of forms, go ahead. So you're saying he didn't, he 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 got into some kind of trouble maybe because he didn't make well, sure all his ducks were in a row. On top of once you add in the alcohol and and some dope, you've now you now have folks that are a little bit uh, inebriated. So can they really give consent? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely a great, great, great point. Because and I'll tell you something. In law school, what they teach you is the consent to contract is not that high. It's not that high. So you can you can sign a contract and you can actually be a little bit inebriated. You can't be blind drunk, but you can be a little bit inebriated uh, and still sign a contract, still be bound by it. But depending on the level of inebriation, did you read it? Did you understand what was in it? Did you understand where it was going to be? All that kind of stuff starts to come into question. And if you add drugs, which let's just say we're having a hypothetical discussion, so we don't know for sure what was going on. And I understand that. But if you add, I'm trying to help us all out here. I'm trying to make sure we don't cross any lines. But if you add a drug element to that, then you're multiplying the fact that they might not be able to consent. And then what was the verification that they were of age? Right. Right? That's where a lot of his problems came in. And after that, the indictments. and uh, So those were all his issues to deal with. Um, He and I, how we came to cross paths. Um, same situation, but this speaking time, to the mic, partner. Oh, thank you, partner. So yeah, get right. Situation that yeah. brought us to um, our lives to cross were his um, uh, some girl on uh, eighteen. She's down in Mexico and having a good time voluntarily hanging out with him. And right. next morning she woke up and she knew she wasn't a virgin. So man. Yeah. Man, and he's, he's and this girl and this girl is the daughter of somebody. 
Somebody who knows somebody and mm-hmm. next wait a second. Scene. I've seen it on the Daily Mail. I saw it. Some ja- <laughs> some guy named the horse. No, it wasn't his daughter. It was just a, someone who knows him and and he was helping that guy out by saying what? Yeah, well, we'll see what we can do for him. Right, right. So as everybody understands, some father was not happy that this happened to his daughter, and some father who wasn't going to try to go through. Like the long, whatever proper channels, it was probably never going to get. And it was especially in Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Water. Yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Why not fast forward it and get with the Riley Express? Fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so main the main thing was they wanted him in fear. Every time he goes to his door, for the rest of his life, he's wondering what's on the other side or who's coming behind him. Yeah. So that was the reasoning for how I crafted the uh the situation right and it worked right fast forward 15 16 years later uh this is back to the slam dunk yeah it's four guys down in mexico armored down busting into the house joe francis is there and other people but a neighbor saw these four guys called the federales they got everyone in the house laid down tied up and they had to abandon the job. So they looked like they were professionals, you know? Right. Had to, had, to, had to call it quits and get away. Three of them got away, one got snagged. Let me ask you another question. I wasn't in Mexico. That's <laughs> no, 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 no. There you go. What, so what you're describing when, when somebody asked you to develop a situation, what you're describing sounds actually very creative. And why did they turn? Why were you the guy that they were like? You know who can handle something like this? It's Riley. Because I had been creative in the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a creative guy, bro. A guy <laughs> makes creators. Guy, wrote, all guy creative. wrote a book. Yeah. All right. I read a lot of your book, by the way. And I gotta say that uh, I'm very impressed with. Um, you know. <sighs> I'll be honest with you. Wait, let's get back to this before we hit all that. First yeah, of all, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Let's get back. All right, to let's that. just give a little plug for Riley though, because he is here. Guy's got mouths to feed. We're gonna guy... give him a bunch of plugs. What all are you talking right. about? Everybody, calm the fuck down. Let's just say, <laughs> right? What is real? The book is called What Is Real: The Life and Crimes. Yeah. Right, the life and crimes of, of of Riley Perez. You can get it on Amazon. Get Life and Crimes. Book. Life yes. and Crimes. That's a good title. We were Great thinking time. about stealing that for the show instead of Hard Luck. We call it Life and Crimes of Stephen Lucky Luciano. <laughs> <laughs> My good friend Riley already did it. Yeah. So it's out the window. Yeah, listen, we'll okay. let Riley take that. He I, earned it. Listen, we don't want him developing any creative situations. <laughs> <laughs> There'll so, be no creative situations <laughs> here, young man. So let's go back to this though. Okay, so now that we've you know, sort of shown a little light on it and tickle people's asses with a feather. What's the, <laughs> what's the situation that you created for Mr. Francis? Well, you, if anyone's seen his videos, the Girls Gone Wild videos, he, he has the girls show their identification. Yeah. Verifying their age. Then he pans the camera back to them and then they go into their spiel. Yeah. My name's Julie. I'm a girl gone wild. Ah, Shows the tits. Yeah. So I had his identification, the camera, verify his age, who he is, and goes back to him. The camera goes to him, and he has a dildo in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> you know what? We need to change his last name from Perez to Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that directing? Masterpiece directing. Is that directing? Masterclass in directing. Oh, exactly. Yeah. What do you think about that, Robert? Uh, that's probably the greatest thing you could have done. <laughs> <laughs> or young, humanity. We're working on young man Robert's personality. We're trying to get him out can of I, him. Can I butt in for a yeah, sec? Yeah, do it. Tell butt if, in? If you, don't, if you don't mind, tell him what you were kind of surprised about with the dildo. So he <laughs> starts uh, filleting the dildo. What? Without me telling him. <laughs> oh, so I, I look around a room. Wondering if I'm on candid camera. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell the guy to do this, but yeah. he he had practice at it. Yeah. He was going for it. He yeah. went for gust, was, gusto. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, okay. So that They didn't one, even put it in his mouth. They just put it in front of him. He just hopped on it with his mouth. He started working the thing, bro. Kind of like, like Pete Conti when he got to the microphone, right? <laughs> he showed more skill than Pete. <laughs> So let's, let's, um, okay, so that was the situation. Now, let me ask you a different question. How long does it take for you to get the assignment and for you to sketch out what's going to happen? It was very, it was close in time to the girl's complaint. Right. Um, I always preface it by saying this is what I was told because whether it happened in the exact way she says or not. Right. I couldn't verify it. I wasn't there. But, but I guess what I'm trying to get to is like, did you know right away what you were going to do? Or did you get like a notepad out and you're like, well, let's see, we got Joe Francis. <laughs> like, what did you do? How no, did, what's no your process? Evidence. Tell us about the process. A process is knowing that he's, he's a degenerate gambler. He, he gambled with the book that I was a part of. So I already know him. I already know his... I see his his tales, you know, and he he partied. Got it. So the night of the crime, I knew where he was going to be and had some sentinels out there making sure he was getting liquored up. Yeah. But I also knew he was going to Mexico the next day. Right. So he wasn't coming home with a party crew. Right. So that was the best night for it to happen. Right. Yeah. And so um now this is interesting so you you okay so you figured that all out you're like okay this makes sense we're gonna do it at this time at what point like so you come in at what point does joe francis know something's about to happen like is there a point where he's like hey welcome to the party and then all of a sudden he's like oh wait what are you doing with that dildo like no. at, did he? <laughs> <laughs> as soon as he came through the door hit him with a flash grenade Get so them. He, know, he knows right there. So yeah. it's not, this is And you had masks on too, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's. He, What's he the look know. on his face when he sees the masks? Well, he, he was he was already blinded. He, you know, sound is all. He's hearing bells. That was the whole thing is to get him disoriented. So I could slap the cuffs on him. Once that is done. Then all the pleading happens. <coughs> yeah, I better believe it. <laughs> God damn right. He's he's now. <laughs> Are you listening to this dude? Listen, when he said when all the pleading, what he basically meant says that's when it gets real for this dude. Mm-hmm. Right. All of a sudden, he's the hostage at real. this point. And if anyone is listening, never let yourself become the hostage. You know what's crazy, though? I'm listening to this, and he said flash grenade. And at first, I thought that was maybe a metaphor because you caught him off guard. But then you said it again, and I realized he really had a flash grenade. And he, Joe Franz, 
How do you get a flash grenade? Can you just buy those at Walmart or where do you get something like that? Yeah, you got friends of friends. I yeah. love that. Pete Conti put the order in. For yeah, me. exactly, bro. <laughs> Dropped it off. Pete Conti's got a few in his trunk right now. Fucking <laughs> 50 bucks say, a piece. Listen, I got 100 bucks. I want to pick up two of these things. I need a flash grenade just to get past my wife. Yeah, there you I'm go. I'm going to throw this thing on the ground, disorient her so she doesn't know where I'm at taking a nap. I got to hide Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. There you go. All right, so uh, so then, so how long does it take for him to get oriented? And like, who's holding the camera? Well, that's later. He, yeah. Once he comes in the house downstairs. <laughs> what do you think? Somebody's recording the whole thing? No, yeah. no, no, no. no. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> so we have the lighting right. Let me show the lighting. Camera, yeah. Boom. Well, what I'm wa- boom. So what I'm wondering. <laughs> boom. 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 Camera. Boom. 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 boom now look at Lil. You're gonna come in here and you're gonna say, "Look at this <laughs> hunk of man. We've been doing pumping iron for like hours." Okay. So, wait, okay, so he's disoriented. You drag him downstairs. No, he's downstairs, cuff him up. Yeah. Sack over the head. (laughs) Take him upstairs to his room. Yeah. Where I already have the cameras set up. Okay. All right. And lay him on the bed and, you know, bring down the the britches. It's <laughs> better than a movie. Yeah, it's this. better than a loves movie. Loves this shit, Robert. We're gonna reenact this later. <laughs> so let me ask you. This. Okay, so so then so when you take the sack off his head, does I mean is he pleading already? Is he crying? Is he like, listen, guys, whatever you want. I got money in the closet. You know, just please, just just don't. Is he doing all that? He is, but I already know the closet's already been. It's falling on deaf ears. Yeah, safe's already been on. Hey guys, please listen. All the money and cash, I got money in your closet. Yeah, Uh, actually, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to tell you this. We just looked. It's uh, there's nothing left there. We've already checked that. All right. So then he figured, fuck it. I'm just gonna try to get through this. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. Right. Uh, As I said, don't ever let yourself be taken hostage because. well, from I can speak for myself. If if I see, I come home and there's a crew waiting for me. Yeah. Well, I hope you've prepared to kill me. Right. Because I'm not about to let you. You're going to be able to uh, uh, desecrate my dead body, but you're not going to torture the fuck out of me while I'm alive. So, right. So you know, let's go. Let's get this over with. Right. You know what? That makes sense to me because it's well, like, yeah. because you know, you see that once you turn over control to the other yeah, side on that, then they're going to drag you all around and probably kill you anyway. Yeah. But it, yeah, what's going to happen up to the point you're getting killed. So exactly. Uh, there's a, there's a, you, the movie Pelham one, two, three. Yeah. So I remember I had a youngster as a cellmate and he, he was one of those guys who was, you know, 18 months sentence. And he thought, he had these illusions that he was about to go out and be a crime boss. And, uh, you know, the guy could barely, barely read. But that, the movie came on the, the one, uh, not the one with Walter Matthau, uh, but the second one came on. I think D'Onofrio was in it. It was from the 90s. in it too? That's the third oh, one. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the second one came on and D'Onofrio's character, um, they're in the tunnels on the train and they've already issued orders that we're going to kill a hostage if this doesn't happen at this time. Yeah. That time comes, it's now time to pop a hostage. And his guy on his team is like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, you have a gun. What do you think that gun was for? Right. We're not here just for flash. We're not here just to show this gun. And right. hopefully they turn over all the loot. 
this is the end result. The gun is here to to kill. Right. If it just serves its purpose to intimidate, then great. We had an easy night. Right. So know what the hell you're getting into. Right. You know, don't go walk into a store with a pistol and think you're going to stand up, a, uh, you know, a 7-Eleven. You're there. You're going to kill someone in that 7-Eleven. Right. If they don't give in to your. So is this 70 bucks in that till really worth a murder? Meaning that you got to be prepared if you're going to be successful or have the best chance of success. You got to be prepared to go all the way or get out or don't even it's not stop for you. It's not for you. It's not for you. So you know? that goes back to when you say uh, know your limits. Yeah, it does. That's in all areas of life. You can't, you know, uh, I, I steal a car. The unintended consequences are I'm in a high speed chase. I hit someone gets killed. Some pedestrians. Right. Well, you now have a murder. Well, no, I'm just a car thief. No. I, I, uh, I can't say exactly who, but I had a client who got in trouble because they took acid for the first time, drove, hit a light pole. The pole fell over and collapsed on the trunk or not the trunk, the, the top of the car, the roof of the car, of a dad who was waiting for his daughter to come out of the school and killed him. And this client could never even process. She went away. She went away. And she could never process. Like, how could... I was just taking a little bit of acid, and then I just got in my car, and she couldn't process how that was within the field of consequences. And she was... And it, I think... I think I don't know that she'll ever be able to really bounce back from 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 that. So what you're saying makes a lot of sense, which is like, hey, if you're going to do something, be prepared to understand that there's it might be remote. Yeah, but it could happen. It very well could. I know. I know situations. I knew a guy that used to like to pull out a gun and flash it on motherfuckers and intimidate motherfuckers to get what he wanted. And he got what he wanted until he flashed it on the wrong dude who beat his ass, took the gun and killed him. With his own gun. Yeah. What? Because he was unwilling to use it right yeah. when the time came. He thought he could scare somebody down and there was somebody that wasn't scaring. And they took the gun from him. Yeah. And killed him with it. Yeah. 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 And just like... Uh, <laughs> wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> How do you... So you're saying he wasn't he wasn't ready to pull the he trigger. He wasn't ready to use it. So when so how does a guy, when the gun gets pulled on him, how does a guy challenge another guy with a gun? He just grabs his hand? Gets the drop yeah. on him. Yeah. It was an accessory yeah. for him. That gun was nothing more it than a scarf. It was an accessory, right. It was, he was just using it to intimidate and scare and get you're what he like, wanted. Dead, he wasn't just... ready to plug somebody, or he would have. What kind of dude is able to, ch to even if you think the guy... There's can't, a bunch of guys out there like that, actually. That are strong enough to stand up to a guy that's got a gun pointed at him, and they don't have a gun. No, like, there's some guys that just either ain't having it, Yeah. or there's some guys that are like, you ain't going to use that. Before you even know it, they're going to grab that shot out of your hand. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, I, I, I'm just curious. <laughs> Let me make another example. Yeah, ahead, I'm going to make another example. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to make a good yeah, one for you. Yeah. I knew when I committed my first real assault yeah. inside of the joint yeah. that the dude that we were going to go assault was no pushover. This could very well flipped the card on us when me and the dude went to go do this i'm very clear on that bro okay but we do whatever we need to do and, and you were a kid too right i was in my early 20s yeah about 22 right. and and this dude was like a fucking bull he just didn't want to you know it wasn't know, gonna him. go down easy no. but i knew and if i was embraced like that for what was going down i could end up the one right right so I would have this talk sometimes with other cats, 
And I can't tell you how many times I seen young cats that really didn't have much experience fist fighting or engaging with another man. They were out committing crimes with a gun, which, you know, you don't have to be a tough guy with a gun. Right. And they get into some shit and they're supposed to go handle something. They end up getting that. They stab somebody a couple of times. The dude just takes the stabs right. and pulls the knife out of him right. and fucking whacks the shit out of him. Right. They're either running from him now. Right. Yeah. Or they're losing their life. Right. I've seen a I've seen a couple kids try and take out a dude that wasn't having an adult man. Right. And the motherfucker dropped one of them, grabbed the other one, and started booking both of them. And had them both fucking running away. Because it's not so... If you just think that you're going to go in and that everybody's a sucker, everybody's scared, you're going to get stabbed and and go screaming and running. It's like not, people, not everybody's built the same, man. And you, you know what? This is why, Robert, take this down. This is why I've been saying that like video games are ruining kids because it's not because it gets them used to the violence. It fucks them up with understanding that it ain't that easy to stab somebody. You think in the, in the, in the fucking video game you stab a guy and he goes down. In real life, he stabbed a guy. He's so fucking fat, the knife doesn't even reach an actual artery. It, it he grabs you. Breaks and bends when you <laughs> right. go down. All it sorts slips, of shit happens. It happens, slips out of your hand or you wind up, you things. cut yourself. A million things I've, I've, You know what? I've read a lot of fucking serial killer books <laughs> and other kind of books where they're like, people think it's so easy to stab somebody. It ain't that easy. The skin is actually pretty tough. You got to have a little bit of room. There's a suction. That's why some knives, they have that groove in it. Because uh, the skin will sometimes suck on a knife and it make it harder to pull out because it's the wounds grabbing onto it. Tell so, you something, man. There's nothing more dangerous than a scared human being or a scared animal. Like you right. put somebody in a corner, bro. Right. And, and you better be prepared, bro. Right. You get what I'm saying. I totally. And also, some people have seen this in, in various things when they're when they're about to do the first whatever it is, right? The first punch, the first whatever it is. They they put so much pressure on themselves and they're so scared that that first one doesn't land properly or doesn't hit the right spot. And it, it winds up just kind of like telegraphing a warning to the other guy. And the other guy's got the sense or the calm yeah. to handle the business right there. All the time. Yeah. Or the dude just know how to take a punch. Right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Just a tough motherfucker. You think right? you put all, your all into it and... Now you got a, a a heads up fight. Yeah, and I've and, and 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 I've seen that too. I've actually been a part of that where I've been punched in the face and actually have my bottom eye. If you look, there's a scar there, and in the and it cut, and there was blood. And the guy that I was fighting thought, okay, well then that's it, like it's over now. You're cut. I obviously hit you before you hit me, and it's done. And we continued fighting and wrestling until the cops showed up, and he was not prepared yeah. for me to keep coming. Absolutely. Well, look at what, what going back to it. I was saying about the uh, the cellmate that I had when we were watching that movie, and I played it out for him what the characters were saying. It's like the light bulb went out for him, like, oh shit, I never thought about that. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, he did something with it and gave up crying because made a different decision. I hope so. Yeah. It wasn't for him. <laughs> right. So let's let's so okay. So then you. Do the situation like a genius. You got it, all the cameras set up already. So when Joe Francis comes in the room, there's not you don't have to do anything except hit record and do the thing. So you do it all. Joe Francis goes above and beyond his acting career and just starts deep throating and dildo, <laughs> almost pukes on the tip, and then gagging on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Took it home with him, 
and then asked if he could keep it. And then um, that's all over. And you were wearing mask. What kind of mask are you wearing? Actually, that's kind of that's interesting to me. We just bandana, ski mask. Yeah, and you get out of there. Chuman, let me ask you a question before you go further. <laughs> yeah, what's gonna be uh, what's your what's your what's gonna be your reaction? Should you see Riley in a ski mask <laughs> in your living room when you get home? Okay, I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> If he and I have planned a trip to Big Bear, uh-huh. I'm going to be excited, <laughs> and I'm going to tell him, listen, ski lift tickets on me. Tighten the skis, right? he's got a brown paper bag, he's got some friends with him, and they're all wearing a ski mask. In a camera. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go for broke and probably get killed right at the door. Yeah, right, 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 right. If I'm in the kitchen scrambling eggs. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be like, hey, man, listen, yeah. uh, you need a reader for your next book. I'll do that. I'll do that. Jesus Christ. So, okay, you do all that, and then, I, and then I read and I've seen your interviews and everything, and so a year goes by. First of all, I, I know it's not politically correct, or you know, I've seen all of your your book interviews and all this other stuff, and there's always a slant of like, look, I've turned my life around, and I want other people to make a better decision, and that's all true. I'm not saying that that's not true. Did I ever say that? Well, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like you know what I mean. It's like, uh, yeah. listen, you know, that's now what you it sound is. like me. Uh, you know, but. One of the things, Steve, uh, one of the things this show is about, and one of the great things about this show, the courageous things, things you're not going to find anywhere else about this show, which is why we have so many diehard fans. We got fans that actually listen to the show while their wife is giving birth in the hospital, and both of them are listening to the show. Uh, big shout out uh, to Alika Marie. That's the name of the new daughter. Congratulations. Nice. Yeah. Gustavus, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Okay is because Steve opens up and he tells the real, 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 real truth about some of these things. And one of the things that he talked about, uh, we had a show called Everything You Want to Know, but we're afraid to ask about armed robbery. And Steve was talking about how he was like, you know, there's, there was a lot of actual fun to it, that there's a thrill and that he actually enjoyed it and he was actually kind of pleased or at least somewhat he saw it as a good thing that he went away for the 90s because the way he the track that he was on it was escalating and he was taking these risks and there's some kind of addiction to the thrill and the excitement about it and i'm asking you how much fun was it to throw a flash grenade at joe francis (laughs) drag his ass around and know that it's Joe Francis. You probably everyone in America wanted to throw a flash grenade at that guy, right? Drag him around and do all that stuff and have it come off. I mean, was there a, an element of fun to that? You don't. I didn't think about it until I was back safe at the Honeycomb Hideout. You know. Yeah. And until I'm back at the spot, anything could it could still go wrong. Right. So uh, the whole process, it's playing out as planned. And, you know, once I drop them at a safe space, which allows me to get some distance from the situation, um, crazy enough, that night I went <laughs> afterwards to uh, Swingers. Uh, the restaurant. Yeah. And I had a bowl of chili. So it was, uh, it was a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Calm my nerves and just relax it out. A bowl of chili? I had a bowl mm-hmm. of chili. It was, you know, kind of 
cheese and onions on it or was it just straight no chili? no no I'm, i eat kosher so i don't know oh okay have the very meat good and cheese that's right <laughs> just some bowl of chili and turkey chili or was it turkey chili <laughs> <laughs> turkey chili yeah southern it's california but i did not it. so when you're eating a bowl of chili it was that or uh pea soup and i didn't really did pea soup so <laughs> <laughs> the bowl pea of chili soup got, got the next day <laughs> yeah but it, the point being you i planned it out you know, it, it played out exactly how it was supposed to. And I had already, we already did a dry run. Right. I already had had it mapped out. Doing this, it was like going into a fight. I already trained for three months. Right. This fight is just playing out what I've already roared through my mind. Right. Uh, granted. Following the game plan. Yeah. If the opponent, you know, threw a curveball and threw me off course, you adjust. And then I would have probably then been, you know, running down. Okay, well, did I do this right? Da, 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 da. So being that everything went as planned, the plan also was that, you know, afterwards you go make sure this is put away. You go All back the to, way. You go back to your, to your life. Right. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is like, if you talk to, 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 to me, it sounds a little bit like a SEAL operation. Yeah. Okay. Rainbow Six, whatever the fuck that is. Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, like, there's a certain element, let's not call it fun, let's say enjoyment. Let's say something more um, psychoanalytic, like enjoyment. There's a kind of satisfaction or enjoyment that your plan is actually coming together and it's getting done. Do you feel that? Is there, is there, is there a sense of accomplishment with that? Yeah. You uh, shake your team members' hands and nice, nice day at work. Everyone's happy with their part how it played overall for the operation. Yeah. Then you go back to your life. Because, you know, when I got arrested, a lot of folks were surprised. Right. I read because, that. Because, uh, you know, we just thought he was a nice businessman <laughs> on his upward trajectory. Right? Right. So I think I did more hiding from the regular folks in life, family and friends uh, than I did from the cops. You know what? I'm hearing this right now, Stephen. You want to know what's coming up for me? I'm starting to think that part of part of because your book is a little bit about that. It's about you got this this Riley and then you got this guy, two sides, right? And it's about what is real. And you're saying which one's the real one, right? Which one's the mask? Which one's the real one? You got some interesting theorists like, you know, Slavoj Zizek pulls out like a lot of people think that the that they that the mask is the fake one and the guy beneath it is the real one but he said in actuality oftentimes it's the reverse the mask is the real one and the guy underneath the fake one and the in the in, in the ability to feel like you're putting on and off a mask is allowing you to engage in the things that you actually enjoy yeah well otherwise you wouldn't otherwise you wouldn't need a mask or 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 whatever do you have any thoughts on that well being that my mask involves crime it was a matter of which one do you summons for the moment right and being inside of prison uh okay everyone's there we're all equal we committed crime right no matter what it was it's a violent place inherently right all right there's some crazy ass rules that didn't apply to me in normal society i wasn't in a gang i wasn't involved in right. uh bullshit race based crime Right. So now I'm in this zone and I got to operate. All right. I got to summons up this this violent portion of my character. 
at a moment's notice when it's needed. So I fully understood where I was. It, you know, I wasn't a Boy Scout walking the yard. Oh, everyone's going to be peace loving because I have no problem with anyone. You know, so I, yeah, I wasn't under any illusions inside or when I was out in society. Right. The reason why I bring it up is because I'm thinking that maybe for you, the enjoyment, part of the enjoyment is the being able to switch between both worlds. I've got to believe now when I think about how much work that you must have gone through in order to hide the crime element from your normal everyday people. I have to believe on some level there was a, there was not, maybe enjoyment's not the right word, but a habit or like a, an inborn thing or a learned thing where it was like, that's, that was part of it for you. It wasn't just doing the crimes and it wasn't just accomplishing that goal and it wasn't just being the businessman. Somewhere inside you also needed to have a secret. Does that ring true for you? It could have been uh, uh, under the surface that there's some enjoyment <clears throat> in. Uh, to me, it was ends justifying the means. I had a goal. Yeah. So way prior to me being arrested, I was already retired. I had already made my mark that I knew I needed to do what I eventually, you know, what I wanted to do. Got it. So... Uh, that's why I say when the guy came to me with this, you know, elaborate ass crazy plan and, you know, it's, ah, it's not for me. So really then what you're saying is, is like, cause you see this a lot in, 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 in the movies, empire, boardwalk empire and all this other stuff. There's a guy who has to do what he has to do to get a leg up on society and say like, I'm going to become, I'm trying to maybe legitimate's not the right word, but like I'm going to leave this life of crime behind once I'm positioned in such a way that I can finally uh, do the kind of work or get on the trajectory that I want to be on. That's right. what you're saying it was. Yeah, and once, once you actually get over into the other side, don't go back because that's when you, you've already been out of it. You right, know. you can't be half a gangster. You got to go all the way or leave it out. Yeah. Let, me, let, me, uh, let me interject real quick, can I? Uh, hold on a second. Okay. I got. I got. Right, I got. Right, right. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. That oh. was the end of the. Oh, okay, because yeah. I was gonna say. So, you went. You had your turkey chili, and you put a lot of energy into this perfect plan, which goes all the way perfect, and yet you get caught. So obviously something went wrong. So yeah. what went wrong? Uh, someone wanted to make uh, themselves appear bigger. In other people's eyes and uh, an associate who how many ever degrees separated from the crime tells Paris Hilton that he's the one who ordered the job and uh, you know in the eyes of the law he would be the the ringleader so he's telling her that he ordered the job and I did it blah blah blah, blah. and sh she's no fool she's cataloging what he's saying right the next day, she calls Joe Francis, and he patches her in to the detectives who were, you know, on a dead case at this point. And that's when they've, as they say, that's when they first ever heard my name and started looking into who this Riley guy was. How did the guy know that it was you, that he told Terrace Hilton, the socialite, uh, high on the light part of socialite, how did he know it was you? 
I can only say what he thinks. <laughs> I don't know with certainty. Yeah, you don't know with certainty, but what's your yeah. belief or what's your... Uh, well, he, 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 he fancied himself as being a part of the crew. Got it. Who told him? I mean, he didn't actually participate or anything, but do you have any idea that somebody tell him, like, yeah, it was these guys? Well, I'll say this. So when I'm in Corcoran and Dateline ran the episode, yeah. At the end of it, the, uh, the narrator says, uh, at the end of the day, Riley never said who was on the other end of the walkie-talkie. So I, I'm not going to go into it because Got then it, it becomes, yeah. bah, 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 bah. he just, he, he pulled somebody's ass out, sir. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so then Paris Hilton, and then Paris Hilton was, was she friends or dating Joe Francis? party friends he said he dated her at one point she says he didn't but you know at, at that stage many folks had visited the hilton hotel <laughs> doesn't that fucking yeah. piss you off like why does she insert herself in like what's it to her uh because there's rats everywhere you know, rats these people are rats bro they don't know they don't these people are rats man people putting their nose everywhere it shouldn't be want to get involved in somebody else's shit and uh, don't know how to mind their own business. I just don't get it. Like if I'm, and let's say I'm Paris Hilton, and I hear all of this, yeah. and I hear all of this, she's already famous. You know what I mean? She's already yeah. got her Hilton money. I gotta believe that. Like, there's a part of me that would be like, Fuck, well, this I, she it wasn't a, it wasn't her just being a civil servant, right? Because uh, I was getting a monthly check from Rick, I her castmate in the uh, one see. night in Paris. So the last check I got from them, the next one was supposed to come, but I was already in the county jail. So if I'm gone, you know, that's more for them to split up in the pie. Well, let me ask you this. So I got nine years of back pay. I know a good exactly. attorney who's very good at collecting due yep. amounts yep. The, the, the right way. Believe me, I know how to put a lien on a house that'll make your head spin. <laughs> Fucking sudden. These were off the book payments. Huh? Well, let's put them on the book. You know I, I, I got a I I quote that I love. Go ahead. Nothing will bring you greater peace than minding your own business. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a great one. If we could uh, have some, you know, everybody on the same page on that. But, uh, you know, listen. I would just it's like. Just some, just some I, real. Nah, you know, it's still kind of crazy to me because it's like, let's say I'm Paris Hilton, right? Mm -hmm. Nice hair. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, okay. I, listen, yeah. I got this hair from a lot of poor children in India. That's yeah. what I spent my money exactly. on. So thank you very much. After I eat their flesh. Okay, mm. thank you. And the thing is, is I'm thinking to myself, like, if Joe Francis uh, can be captured and, and all that stuff can go down, and then I insert myself in such a way into the situation... How, how do I not how do I not look over my shoulder for the rest of my life is what I'm saying I would think that like yeah. I wouldn't if I was a tough guy and I was involved in something and I had some backup crews and da -da 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 -da, I might say like okay fine push come to shove let's see what happens but if I'm just not really that and I'm just this thing why am I going to insert myself when I might not have an ability to handle what might yeah. happen uh, you well, know what they I, thought I, I was gone they thought he was gone yeah bro. They thought I was never. Yeah, you're facing out. thirty too, yeah. right? A life. Double life. Yeah. Double life. Yeah. But you know, her her co uh her partner in crime, Rick, in the sex video, I saw him a week prior to my arrest. 
and he had the look on his face when you know something like, oh shit, you're still, like he wanted to say something, he didn't. And he knew, I saw her in the club, we're in the same VIP area. And as I walked up to her, I, now in hindsight, I, I know what that look was that she, her and her sister gave me, which was, oh shit, he's still, yeah. So playing it back, I, I look at all those moments where, damn, he's still out. Right. I get snagged and, oh, we can breathe. He's, we know he's in. And then they just, and you didn't know what, what had happened. What the so, look was so for. The, yeah, yeah right, exactly. Right, Man, right. that's crazy. And you want to know something that's real sad mm. is probably, it wasn't that she was being a, 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 a extra good citizen no. or whatever the fuck. She probably, the sad part about it is she probably did it just to get herself out there. Just to put herself no. out there no. some more, just to, just to get her name out there, just to create some press for herself. Just so crazy. I just wouldn't fuck Getting around. Side Listen, with that yeah, shit, I wouldn't man. fuck around with fire. Like she, you know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. I'm saying to oh, myself. Oh, I understand what you're saying. I'm like, this but is I'm crazy. saying I don't think she had something in her heart that's like, this was yeah. morally wrong. Right. And this is a friend, and I don't. I think uh, <laughs> no. I think it was like she saw it as a way to get herself on the fucking press. More press or more shit to just keep her in the news and the limelight. This is crazy. Uh, you know what? I'll throw this motherfucker's life away. I need some more fucking money. So, so Riley's book, right? So Riley's book, shit. Riley. So Riley's book, uh, "What Is Real: The Life and Crimes of, of Riley Perez," uh, goes into all of this. But but it goes into more. the The thing about his book is he does a really great description of prison, state, the the whole thing. County, the transfer, the prison, all that stuff, and and one of the how long were you down, Riley, all together? One more time. Uh, well, how long were you down on this case? Nine years, one month. Nine years, one month. Nine. That's an issue, bro. Right. That's an issue. That's a fucking <laughs> listen, bro. A nickel's a fucking issue enough to hold your ass and change you up. Right. Nine. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's and a he, decade, bro. He starts off with like the the heroin guy that he's like just sitting in the cell with while he's waiting to be processed and all this other stuff. This guy's this guy's very funny. He he tells this story about where they're doing he does I mean it seems like every other ten pages there's a cavity search, right? Yeah. When you're in prison, right? There's a cavity County search. County jail is more so. Right. Everyone's so, moving around and new people coming in, so it's nonstop shuffling. Right. In his book, he's got this part where you kind of like get the laughs. At some point, yeah. you realize this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, what was that? Why did you, why were you, because what was it that was so funny about that? Because I kind of, I understood that a little bit. Like, that seemed. I got dark humor in me. So, <laughs> I mean, I had to laugh about something, you know. Right. This, uh, that, I think the part you're talking about is, I'm thinking, at this stage, this is probably my 30th cavity search in the last couple right. of days. I wanted to know whose job it was. If something does fall out, who's going to go pick this shit up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, does he get overtime? You definitely don't allow that guy to stick his hands in the potato chips. Not at afterwards. He's, no. He's persona non grata. Yeah, yeah, totally. He's rubbing his eye out. <laughs> <laughs> got pink eye. Got brown eye, pink eye. Yeah. From brown eye to pink eye. Yeah. yeah. But even, even laughing, I had to do it in silence because, uh, you know, you know the wrote it out yeah, sheriffs bro. right yeah. let me hear a sound come out of you you just uh, you just told me to come pay you attention but yeah. then in your book you, you said flashlight therapy right yeah. but yeah. then he said and this is what's interesting he said you know so the sheriffs are being tough guys and they're like hey the sound comes out of you and so we'll fucking hit the floor and we'll punch you 
But then Riley says, but then somebody does make a sound. And it's this nice moment of humanity. And Riley says the great equalizer in life is passing gas. He says everybody finds it funny and they're doing these cavity searches and somebody, right? So in, in when do, are you sitting there having these insights about like, wow, the sheriffs are kind of laughing, this guy's kind of laughing, and in and, and, and whatever side of the fence you're on, you're going to think a fart's funny. Yeah. You, you got so much time on your hands where you can sit back and look at the little shit that, you know, ordinary life, I'm, you, you, you know, you're in your car, you miss all the shit uh, <laughs> on the streets, you know. I was out here waiting at the bus stop. Uh, waiting for 11 o'clock to come in. Uh, old Vietnam vet guy walks up. And we just started talking while he's waiting for his bus. <clears throat> me. And he started talking about how he, uh, how he went into Vietnam. And then we got into all the war dog stories of how our, his generation, I came a generation after, but yeah. all my uncles and, you know, were Vietnam vets and they used to let us play war games with BB guns and shit. Yeah. You know, child protective service would be called now. Right. So for 20 minutes, I'm sitting there bullshitting with the, uh, with the old guy and his bus comes and he goes on about his life. Right. So, you know, that's finding time to enjoy life in the moment. People passing, passing you by. And that's what I would look for in prison, you know, and you got so much time where prison and confinement is just boring as fuck. Mixed in with all the violent shit. Right. You know. Can you relate to that, Steve? Like, do you relate to the fact that you're in prison? You were in Corcoran too, right? Absolutely. Right. Steve was in Corcoran. He did the shoe program back when the guards were gambling on making prisoners fight each other or whatever, right? Yeah, full investigation by her feds and everything. Yeah. But, um, but can you identify with it being a lot of downtime to a certain extent and you just trying to occupy your mind and then and then every so often just intense violence in the in the prison system? I, I, absolutely. I mean, you you. Uh, because when when something breaks up the routine or breaks up the monotony, yeah. you can you almost. Uh, you savor those moments, you know, because they're fu- they're very, very rare. And they usually come in a very human way, kind of like the fart or it's usually not something that you think's going to that you would. Oh, it's usually something that you, you'll miss it if you don't pay attention to it. You know what I'm saying? You'll miss it. But it will break up the there's a I, I always like to say to people that the moment that I went in. There's a there's a weight on my shoulders. There's a tension in my shoulders and my neck yeah. that I had through county jail, right? Through prison, through everything, and it didn't come off of me until I looked and we were driving away from the prison. I was paroled, and I could see the prison a long ways from me. It started to like unloosen that tension that is always on you. And saying uh, saying say that I that in that time in that you know, four years, three and a half years, whatever it is, there were very little moments where that tension would come down for a second, for a split second because of something. And that thing was usually not something you were expecting or nothing, it's like a fart, or like you're saying, dude. And that moment you would take notice to, (laughs) God, for one minute, everybody was the same. Or everybody forgot where we were for one second, right? Completely. And like, the one situation in the county jail when the 
when the one guy tried tried to commit suicide. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> for weeks I had saw him. He, he and his crew, they were, you know, they were like four dudes, Compton Crips. So they were jamming up dudes who were enemies. Yeah. They didn't have the numbers. We see this guy, you know, it was just some real bully shit. Right. Safe, safe attack. Yeah. Didn't, didn't affect me at all, but nevertheless, uh, a bully, a predator, you know, you never know when he's going to strike out. So that, yeah. that feeling of, you know, there's a, a loose pit bull walking down the street. Right. You know? Yeah. But when he tried to commit suicide and the guys that went to go help him, Mexican guy, black guy, you know, this wasn't about, oh, fuck it. He ain't Mexican. I ain't helping him. This was another human who was fucking in need. Right. And they stayed with him, even with the cops coming to the gate. Everybody get on the bunks, you know. Yeah. The cops didn't know if it was a setup, you know, run in the building sure. and get smashed. Mm-hmm. But those dudes wouldn't leave him until they saw him coming back to life, you know, until his color returned. Right. And then once they saw that, then they turned it over to the, uh, to the cops. And all the cops did was drag him out, you know, by an arm, still thinking it might be a setup. Right. So in that moment right there, the, the, uh, the uh, unit's preacher, he gets up afterwards to, you know, like have a prayer. But everyone for that moment was back to human. You know, that was a, another brother that was uh, on, his, on his way checking out, you know. And then I, of course, had to think, did he really want to be saved? You know, Right. Whether he did or not, those guys were there to help. Do any of us really want to be saved? I mean, yeah. you don't have to be commit. You, there's a lot of people committing suicide on the long form. Yeah. Right? Drugs, yeah. alcohol. Looking for somebody else to take them out. Because they don't got... <laughs> And, yeah. you know, I do. My dad, I'll tell you, man, my dad was a, he, he was 400 pounds and he was overweight. He was an overeater. And um, I was just a, he was my only parent, had no mother. And, uh, and I was a little kid, you know what I mean? Like four, five, six, seven, eight. And when you're a little kid and you see, like, the only person that's actually there taking care of you slowly eating themselves to death, you know, you don't know off the top of your head consciously that, but you can feel it. Like, there's a tension. There's, like, a thing going down. And, I, and then you think in your little kid brain, like, you know what? There's got to be an answer to this. There's got to be an answer. There has to be an equation, uh, an answer that's going to solve this riddle that's killing my dad, that's killing my friend, that's killing my lover. You know, like there's got to be something that I can say or do or be that's going to stop this madness. And one of the hardest lessons for me, by the time I was 11, I was real clear on that there wasn't anything I could do to save this man from himself. I tried it all. Good kid, bad kid, sad kid, depressed kid. You know, it's stupid things that only kids would think of like trying to reason with an addict like, hey dad, you know, maybe if you just ate half of what you ate, did you ever think of that? You know, like, come on. So when you say like, ah man, you know, like, did he want to be saved? And then I think to myself, and I think you can think about your story too. Even Steve's story. I don't think about Robert's story. <laughs> I think about all that, and I think like, 
are we being honest with ourselves? Do we really want to be saved? Are we willing to take the hand that's reached out to us? Like, are we really willing to, to give up, to change, to sacrifice some fucking white knuckle grip shit that we got deep down inside that we might not let go of? Like, do we really want that? Sometimes I think, like, maybe your book is a little bit about a discovery of that, an answer to that question. Is it that? If you cue the uh, church music right now, I can <laughs> respond. <laughs> no, it, it definitely is a, uh, a look into the results of a life of crime. Any, any criminal who's worth half his bones in, in crime, is, if he's truthful with himself, you know that the end result is maybe you get away. <coughs> But maybe you go to prison. So right. I, I knew that was a part of the equation. But did you know that the man that you looked up to, Grandfather Walter, would eventually find out and be disappointed? Oh, yeah. As he did in little ways all throughout my teen years and you know early 20s. By that time, I had already mastered, so I thought, how to you know, mask mass who I was in the streets to you know to him at home but he had already been finding out about it he had already been yeah that yeah show, right yeah he knew the sneaky ways and you know you think you're slick 12 13 14 15 years old but I've seen that story before I want to back it up I really like you know I thought it was interesting with the point that you were making about the the fart <laughs> you know I really it, it's interesting I get it I just like that you I haven't read your book but the part that he brings that up and how, you know, you hung on to that little piece. I remember I was in Supermax and uh, in Santa Cruz, which is a part of uh, the county jail, right? It's up yeah. in Santa Cruz. And I'd come from medium north and it was just riding, riding, riding. And these dorms, it was riding every night. All right. And uh, so I get up to Supermax and. It's about to be on up there, too. We're about to start taking that place off. But there's some type of Chris Rock special or Chris Rock. Something's <laughs> coming on with Chris Rock. And people know that this is going down. Stop. <laughs> now, you would, now, you would, you would, you know, if you had put it in present day, that would be like Dave Chappelle. Right. Coming okay. on. Right. And I remember, okay, yeah, and I like Chris. Everybody like at that point in time, everybody, everybody liked Chris Rock. Uh, unless you know, Chris he's Rock in a movie. Funny. If he's in a movie, it's no. This the was worst like some movie, can stand like up, stand like up. He's something. the best. Nobody better than him. And um, I remember, I remember, he comes on, and when it comes on, they had allowed us to have the TVs on if we were cool, the big <laughs> TV. And I remember very clearly, bro. He comes on, and you hear like the audience on it. Yeah. Ah, and all the brothers are already like like this at the at the TV, dude. <laughs> and here come the white boys. And as soon as they get a glimpse of who it is, they're glued. And then you start seeing like the Mexicans, even the Paisas and the Border Brothers. Dude, everybody. There's not a single person on their butt. Everybody's like got a smile on their face. He's telling a joke. Whether you could understand English or not. Everybody, race, color, creed, yeah. every at the same time is laughing. And I remember specifically looking across because at Supermax, you could see into the, the dorms across from you. Yeah. And I looked over, bro, and the exact same thing was going on. 
in the dorm across the way. They were all looking up, a wave of people. Nobody was on there, but all together in unison, laughing and glued to watch this, you know? And I remember seeing the third dorm. And I remember just saying to myself, man, I think we all as human beings want to laugh. Yeah. We just want to be able to, to, to laugh. And in those, those situations, when you're going through those things, you're starving for um, human contact, for a laugh, for a breath. For, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, any, and I think it was a great opportunity. But dude, the, everybody for that moment was able to get along just fine. Isn't that crazy? No. At uh, that moment, everybody could relate, agree, laugh. I wasn't worried about the dude next to him for that split second. And I just, uh, I remember it stuck in my head. It was like, wow, man, like there are certain common threads that can draw us together where there are no lines. You know, this shit pisses me off, though, because, because you see it is possible. Like, like, like right now, like even, right? Like the current mood of the country, like it's so common, like the fucking, you know, shithead, chowder faced, fuck faces. They all say the same thing, which is like, well, we've never been more divided. (laughs) We're so divided. It's crazy. How are we going to get this together? But the truth is, is that like you said, there are instances where it's clear it can happen. And there's certain equations. Farting's one. (laughs) <laughs> Farting's one. Chris Rock's another. Sad to say, 9-11 was one. There was mm-hmm. a brief period sure. after 9-11 where everybody was able to get their shit together sure. and forget about all these divisions. Couple weeks. Right. Couple, Couple weeks. weeks. And so it pisses me off because I know it's possible. Why? Because we see different instances of it. There's certain things in our group think that allow us. There's certain things in our group think that allow us to drop down or forget the divisions, whatever they may be, and just be people with each other for a moment. The suicide was another one you're talking about, being safe from a suicide. So my point is, is that the reason why it pisses me off is because I know it's possible because I see it from time to time. I mean, dude, you can't describe a more uh, tense situation. You know, there's very few situations more tense than fucking... Supermax in the fucking those giant holding tanks that you're talking about, right? Where everyone can actually set aside their differences for a moment to have a laugh. So I think to myself, like, it is possible and it pisses me off because it's not mission number one. It's not mission number fucking one in, and I'm not even going to just say in this country. I'm going to say like in our, in our immediate vicinity, it's not really mission number one. Can I interject? Yeah, do it. Um, this is P- Peter Conti, who's a great real estate investor. Google him. We read all about him. Listen, you'll make millions. <laughs> no, that's a joke. There's another guy named Peter I know, Conti. I, I no, know. no, no, I'm letting yeah, the audience know. Oh, okay. Know. Yeah. A, this guy is an actual Ivy League writer. Uh, but he, be, but his arms with all the tattoos belie that. Thank He's you. lived a storied life. Uh, there's some great videos of him talking to students uh, on YouTube. If you want to check them out. Uh, where he's discussing uh, the syllabus or whatever yeah, it was. Whatever it is. I don't know. What he, very <laughs> but boring. anyway, this is a great author of Gringo, great author of plays, which you should run out and get Gringo right now. Anyway, this is the great P. Conti. He's going to bestow us his, 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 his wisdom. Uh, he's from the East Coast, I think, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, from New York. Okay, here we go. So here's Everyone the thing. get ready. Everyone calm the fuck down. Sit back and take this in from Mr. P. Conti. Okay. Peter Conti, go. Thank you. 
So I think I think like there's so much talk in academia, you know, teaching about multiculturalism yeah. and all that shit. Yeah. And then you look in this room. Yeah. Right. Indian. Right. Yeah. Jewish Cuban brother. Right. Uh, Viking. What's your best? What's your Hispanic. Hispanic. Right. So Sicilian many things. Jewish. Sicilian, <laughs> Jew, this and that. Italian Catholic, right? Right. And we're just doing it. We're not making a conscientious decision. You know, we just do it. Yeah. And I don't know why there's so much, like, chatter about it. You know what I mean? It's. I think it's just the way you live your life and not be afraid of people. And You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think it's the, it's the politicking that goes on that does all of that division. Because right. most people just, you know, you, you find friends and you hang and you really don't care. But I think that if you watch enough CNN or Fox, right, both, both sides, they want us to believe that we don't want to get along. I really believe that. Because I think people, I've been all over the world, I've taught in six countries. Right. right? And I know, I taught in, in Tunisia, I taught in Kabul, right, Afghanistan, right, right? you know, right. right when they said the war was over, which it wasn't. Right. And at the end of the day, people just want to take care of their families. They want to have enough money for, to put food on the table. You know right, what I mean? Right. It's not about what religion you are, what your skin color is. You right. know what I mean? But then you'll, but listen, it's learned behavior, man. God damn it, Pete. That's all well and good. That's all well and good. But God damn it. It's true what you say to a certain extent, but I think that there's something in the, the idea, the construct of the United States the way we think right now. Everything is about customization. Every like look at fucking iPhones and iPads and all that bullshit, right? It's the same goddamn phone, right? But it's a different color. And this idea is like I'm gonna express my individuality with the same phone, but this one's pink. This one's green. And what I think is going on to a certain extent, I've been thinking about this on the way over here today. Today. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? There's something wrong with the way we've been trained to think that we have to express our individuality to such a deep extent and it can be race and usually that's the go-to race and religion that's the go-to but i'm even taking it a step further you got motherfuckers out here on both sides of a war on fucking apple and pc Right? Yeah. Like it's almost like a religion. PC guy. Right. It's almost like a religion. And and I think part of it is this idea that like somehow the big companies figured out like, okay, one of the things we gotta do. Right? <laughs> I mean, one of the things we gotta do Riley's Enroll kind of, them. Yeah. Enroll them. You, you like four characters in a barbershop. Blend it into one. This is what, listen, Riley, now you are seeing the results of being an only child. <laughs> I have to be my own friend, my own accuser, my own defender. But my point being, it's like, hey, uh, it's this consumerist aspect has been driven to the extent that all these divisions and everything are ways in which we define ourselves. Like, how do you know where you're at unless you know what you're buying and what kind of clothes? And am I a Vans guy? Am I a this guy? Am I an East Coast guy? Am I a West Coast guy? Am I doing all that shit in an attempt to discover who I am and tell you who I am? I actually think that is the structural problem. Pete Conti, Ivy League. iPhones. Genius iPhones. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that? I think it's. I, I think to blame it on that 
it's partial. But how about in the seventies where you had the Heshers with the long hair? And yeah. You, and you had punk rockers. Yeah. And then you had finally seventy eight hip hop stops blowing. You know what I mean? You had that old. But you had consumerism at that point. Yeah. I'm saying I'm saying once the companies were like, we need to create a psychological bond with this stupid shit that we sell. We sell a lot of stupid shit. But in order for us to So I think that uh when I say politic, and I think I think the companies are part of the politics. Sure, you know what I mean. I yes. think it's you know, You're right. it's all the same thing. You're I'm right. just saying on a common level. Yes, I think most people just wanna wanna get along inherently, but then they're kind of told not to. I agree with that. I agree with that. What do you think about that, Steve? This is a roundtable right now, and legit, we got a roundtable. I, I think that I think that there, I think there's some learned behavior, some top behavior that's hate based. But I, that I know is hate based. But I think on a majority, people want to get along. People, you know, there's fear, and but they're open to overcoming that fear. Yeah, there's racism. Yeah, there's hate. Okay, and it gets. I think it gets. Listen, Juman. Let me say this, and and it's in along the lines of uh, it's along the lines of Picanti. I think a lot of shit is sensationalized because they want you scared. Right. They want you scared. I think I could go out here onto the street right now. I think I could engage with almost any race or color or creed. Right. Maybe it's you could say, "Oh, we're in California, so what you and know." I am. And I am, and that's part okay. of what you say makes Santa Monica Santa Monica. Okay, but when there is this hate crime, these Nazis that are marching that believe in this, it's zero point zero one percent of the United States. But they want to play it across all the news channels, right. and I believe it's fear. They, dude, fear's part of what you're talking about. Yep. To implement that, yeah, you need fear to implement for them to buy shit. Yes, shit. I agree with it. And so I believe, I, I think that you know, the more they play on, the more they put magnifying, the more they, you get conversations like this right now where we're talking about it. Right. And I don't. I don't, I, I, yes, I do think we have gotten to the customization and the whole consumer push, but they push it and it's used by fear. That's how they have you running towards it. All right. They fear. The ultimate, okay. And then, uh, the, well, the, the, the Jewish Cuban senator, uh, Riley, <laughs> would you please uh, weigh in? What are your thoughts on what, what has been said? Thank you. Uh, I, I agree. And uh, a quick story. So when I got to, B yard. I was already on level four. I went to level three. I got a job in the kitchen, uh, pots and pans. So we got what? How many folks on the yard? Two thousand maybe. At Corcoran on the B yard? Yeah, yeah, roughly like what eighteen hundred or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we what pots and pans for all those folks that need to be fed. Right. You know, know, two times a day, hot hot food. So my partner on the pots and pans was an old guy. We just called him Boston. He was from Boston. He came out here to buy some weed down in San Diego, got busted, was hating life. <laughs> not because he was Jesus in prison. Christ. He's he's accustomed to doing time. Yeah. He just did not fucking agree with California prison politics. Right? Okay. All right. Totally different from what he had experienced going back to the 70s in Boston. Got it. So me working with him, I'm with the others, so I can eat with him. Right. He fucking enjoyed every day. He would already be at work about an hour before me. As soon as I came in, he had a, a sandwich, a turkey sandwich ready, this and that. He just wanted conversation. Right. He just wanted to be able to interact with somebody that 
yeah, he's a white guy. He got to, you know, do the, everything the white guys in there got to do. But yeah. the moments that he was at work was his safe zone. It just, ah. And he had somebody to, to hang out with. We'd get our workout in. we eat again. Bust all the fucking pans out the way. So everybody's, you, you, you find, you're looking for that, uh, your, your slice of the pie. Yeah. You know, your corner. And then you find like-minded folks with shared history, shared experiences, and future goals. Yeah. No different than you finding a, a, a maiden life. Right. You know? I, I, I wouldn't give it a girl who's an atheist, no matter how hot she is, because we don't have the same history, nor do we have the same beliefs. And going forward, it's just... Right. It's going to be conflict, you know? So... But if she's hot, <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, I she be my friend for, for thirty six hours. Yeah, I think Riley just set up the the perfect equation for God to drop on him. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was on a podcast and he was talking some big shit about a hot chick. Let's we'll see what he say yeah. about this broad. Yeah. Uh, okay, you've heard it, Robert, from men with a lot of experience, talent, and education. You, of course, are the most. The, the most innocent, pure one in the room. You have yet to have your life soiled by the viciousness <laughs> that is life. Okay. Uh, what's the answer? Are we doomed? Yes or no, as a country? Go. Not yet. There's, Not still, yet. there's still hope. There's still hope. Not yet. There's still hope. Excellent. There's still hope. Keep hope alive. Because, because. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. As a younger person hanging around with you guys. Yes. You guys are supposed to teach me the ways. Yes. And then I'm supposed to do the same thing and teach as I can. So what have yeah. you learned then, young Robert? You've sat at the feet of the masters. Oh. <laughs> Tell <laughs> us what thou hast learned, my good man. Well, I mean, I've, I've, learned, I've learned how, um, how structured you, know, you guys come. You guys, are, you guys are prepared. You guys are on your stuff. And it, and, and it goes with everything. I'm not just talking about from waking up in the things that you do, whether it be, you know, committing certain acts or, you know, doing, uh, doing you know, other things. You, you guys got to think about it really tough. You got you to be prepared. You got to be on it. Um, Hold on. You know what's interesting about that? You guys are listening to, um, how old are you, Robert? 27. 27. Okay, one thing we got to work on with you, Robert, is learning how to be more specific. You said yeah. some good stuff, yeah. but yeah. you say acts and things, and it's yeah. a little generalized. Pete Conti yeah. is a professor. He probably gets oh, yeah. a Definitely. bunch of nondescript generalized bullshit all day, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Pete? I do. What's the status of the, of, the, of, the, of the students these days? Come on. I think they're good at stuff that we weren't when we were kids, and I think it's when we get older, it's tough to see that. But they mm -hmm. are good at things that we're not so good at. Mm -hmm. These are kids that every day go to school mm -hmm. preparing for to get shot. You know what I mean? You know, like your kids, Columbia, all, all kids, all kids. Don't you understand? It's in all our minds. I mean, I do know that. You do, but, but like, do you really? I do actually. I do know. That. Let me ask you something, Pete. For hold on. So you said things are acts, um, uh, but what you said was very interesting. You said structured. Because you heard Riley talk about committing a crime, and it wasn't just like, yeah, I just, you know, grabbed a piece, and I walked over here, and I just did. He had a whole thing, and he did a dry run. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know, listen, I know a lot of uh, people. My wife's a millennial, right? And some of her friends. And they can't, some of them can't do a frozen pizza the way that Riley described okay. kidnapping somebody. Don't forget, he was Go his ahead. age when he did that. 
Right. He was 27. That's what that's I'm trying to. You know that's what, I mean? what I'm that's trying to get across. You know? Is like, hey, yeah. now me personally, my my sister's also a millennial. I'm helping her with a personal statement, right, to get into into post grad school. And I gotta tell you, I'm like, man, do who wrote that? Did you? Well, or they don't. They don't know how to write. Like right, writing. When, that's a different thing. I think they're good at things that we're not. What are they good at, Pete Conti? I think they're good with technology. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? They can't imagine how we can't switch the password on our cable. Like, we don't know how to do that, and we're punching in 15 digits. What are they not good at, Pete Conti? Writing. Okay, well. Communication. And, Communication. and writing is, right. and good writing is logic. And right. I don't think they learn logic in school. That's Absolutely I, I don't correct. think they're logical. So you, you, talk, you can apply logic to writing. You can apply it to crimes. You can apply it to a lot of things. Right. And if you don't have a logical brain, I don't know, man. Pete, right. let me ask you something, Pete. Um, when, when, what exactly, what is it that you teach? I teach writing, and I teach teachers how to teach writing. What's your degree in? Well, I have four degrees, but I, I did. Uh, you <laughs> hey, know, pick a degree. Easy, easy. I, did, uh, I, wrote, I wrote a lot on how to use hip hop to teach literacy. So okay. I wrote a lot All about right. that. Not that we're teaching kids how to write bars, but say like you have um, Biggie Song Juicy, right? Yeah. Okay. Biggie Song Juicy is about a guy who felt like shit, thought he was fat and ugly, and then he started making money and everybody liked him. So mm -hmm. we'll get that. We'll have them first try to understand it. And you can't believe how so many kids don't know. They think they know about hip hop and they don't know it at all. all right, and once we right. get an understanding, we have them write it in. I uh, have them write that story, Biggie's story, in standard English using his story about really? that. Really? Or I'll have them like Pox Changes. Okay. Write it as a political yeah. speech. There you this go. is what you. This is Pete Conti's uh, textbook. Yeah, and this is the stuff I do. Pete Conti's textbook. Yeah. So Dude, you know what you're like? You're like Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds. I am definitely not like her. Thank you very much. Um, and you're like that guy in that movie with Kevin Costner. Which what movie? Which one is the that? The Indian movie. Oh, right. uh, Dances with yeah, Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Listen, no, but uh, I would have left that. Kevin Costner dead in the house. Yeah, exactly. Right, okay. I knew that would get I you. I would have had his fucking scalp in my well, pocket I'm, walking around. That's how I am with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, yeah. I'm just teasing. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah just no, no. Listen, but I, you're but, much hotter than Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> I just said that. But now I'm using a lot of Kendrick and a lot of uh, J. Cole. Because I think they, they yeah they man J Cole's so is Kendrick like they both say, yeah, they say real shit you know 100%. what I mean but then also Lamar won some literary awards he won he won the highest but I think uh, it's too easy for people our age to diss what these Nobody kids are into I think that's Everybody you know what I mean because we had garbage too we had Vanilla Ice yeah, in 1990 yeah. let's shit not get hot. too over it <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on yeah. but I mean it's just, I think it's too easy just to dismiss a whole generation's music. Absolutely, hundred percent, man. Hey, listen, you know what? It is too easy, uh, but we managed to do it about two episodes back, right, Steve? Yeah. We were playing a lot of. We were playing a lot. We played like the top ten, and we we're like, let's see Steve's reaction. Steve was like, garbage. Get it out of here. Yeah, but there was a lot yeah, of that but, in our day there, too. That's right. You know what I mean? But it, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. It wasn't. It wasn't Kendrick Lamar, That's and it, right. it wasn't J. Exactly. Cole. That's right. Because yeah. So yeah, I recognize, man, when I hear those guys, I'm listening to their lyrics, man. But, you know, Lil Pump, Lil, hey. Lil, Lil Zan. Hey, by the way, listen, Lil Pump uh, is, Lil is actually recording in the, in the, in the next yeah, room. Remember that? Yeah, yeah so yeah, guys, yeah. so uh, Robert, I want you to go over there. Robert, producer, we're training him to be a producer. Nice. Okay, we're trying to get him. Very, this man. He had to leave his balls in the car. They're so big. Now, listen, Robert, <laughs> go over there and knock on the door and ask Lil Pump if he wants to come in and sit on the podcast. Say no more. All right. Say no All more. Right. Here Look we go. At Look at this yes. man. Hey. 
He might oh, be a crime boss. That's it. That's it. There we go. Right. Here he goes. He's going to test it. And Swedish uh, photograph everything that happens. <laughs> photograph it. Now, who's a little pump? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Let me see if I can pull up. So, um, you know what I laugh at is, do is, 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 is I'm so nice to everybody. You just tell them to go do it, and then you look at the photograph guy, and you're like, go photograph him. Uh -huh. They just do what you say, bro. Because they gotta get going. We don't have time for a bunch of niceties. As a good boss, you it know is... what I, you know, like about twelve years ago. Do you know Steve's son Vincent? Yes. Yeah, I love Vince. I know him since you know, since he's born. Right Great guy. But about 10, 12 years ago, he's talking all. He was so into uh, Wayne. All he talked about was Wayne. Yeah. Wayne was oh, it, right? Wayne was a shit. And yeah. then. So he's telling me and Steve and people our age, you got to listen to Wayne. And we're like, that's garbage. Right. That's garbage. Right. And then it turns out Wayne's one of the greatest lyricists in the history of <laughs> pop. You know what I mean? So I think it's too easy to just throw shit away because we're not of that age. You know what you I know mean? You know what? I don't, I yeah. don't listen. Yeah. You know, to be honest with you, like uh, Old Town Road and all that. What? Oh, hold, hold on. Uh, hold on. This just he, heard, he heard you guys talking. He was like, I don't know. Wait, wait, like wait, 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 wait. He okay. got a scare. First mistake. He got first a mistake. First mistake's not on the. Uh, get on the microphone. He We've got, got um, big news. This is a huge, this is a hard luck show exclusive. Uh, what did Little Pump say? He heard you guys talking, and he said, "You know what? I don't think I'm qualified to be in that room." All right. No, just kidding. He'll be here in a couple of minutes, and then we'll go grab him for real. For real? For real this time. Awesome! I love nice. it. Nice. All right, all right, everyone, everyone. When he says go grab him, he means that metaphorically. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I got a couple of flash grenades in my pocket. Right, oh yeah, we already got it all planned out. Yeah. All right. So since everyone's talking mad shit, Pecanti's got big heart for the kids, which makes sense. You're teaching them. You interact with them. Let's let's see. No, wait, wait, let me just qualify this and say if I'm gonna go do a job tonight, I'm probably not gonna go get a millennial. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Here we go, Lil Pump. I love it. You're such a fucking hoe. And it's with Kanye West. With Kanye West. All right. Riley? Well, I say this. It's equivalent to two live crew. Uh, we want some pussy. I mean, how much more direct can exactly. you get, right? But two live crew was better at it, though. They were. They were. They were. They were out. Out. They were out up front. With that it. wasn't. You Straight know what? Up. That wasn't. That. That wasn't. The kid looks crazy. Look at that, Riley. That's the picture of Lil Pump. I uh, he the dying, guy the, dying the, the, of hunger. The look is crazy. But you know the thing. You know the thing. Mm. We're talking about him. Yeah. Right. So he's doing something right. Absolutely. We're not talking about Bob Dylan. Yeah. That's the real right? You want to talk about Bob Dylan? Because I can't. I got all me day. Me too, but I'm just saying we're not. Let me tell you something. I love Bob me Dylan. Me too. I do too. Who doesn't like Bob Dylan? Let's kick their ass. Mm -hmm. I like Bob Dylan. Come on. Stop it. You know what? But let me tell you something. What I was going to say is I actually like that song. I mean, is it is it a deep song? Yeah. No. Is it Hurricane? No. <laughs> no, it's not Hurricane. Where will it be in 20 years? I mean, that's one way to look. We're still uh, talking about two live crew. <laughs> that, well, two hey. live crew. They I mean, they fucking fought the U.S. government. I they mean, did. First and they Amendment rights. So and they won. Yeah. So that they have some some relevance. Yeah, yeah. Couple, okay, so this is over. this is Riley's contribution. Uh, this is what he. We, oh, this is great. Somebody say hey. We want some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. Two live right. crew. <laughs> you, you, you know, you know where I first bro. heard this? Where? 
my little league coach and his fucking truck going on a away game. My little league coach was playing this shit. <laughs> hey, you know what? When I was in Pop Warner football, we were singing this on the bus and we were yelling in the back, right? We were like, hey, we want some pussy for like 10 miles. And finally the coach jumps up and he goes, hey. And then we all went, we want some pussy. <laughs> all right, can I just tell what a quick one? Can I tell a quick one? Yeah, do I it. I don't want to name drop, but I'm going to name drop because this story is so funny. Do it. I'm with Joe Pesci and his mom. Oh, you mom. dropped, you dropped oh, that name. You dropped that, that name. That. Wait, what? You dropped He's that name. Right there. Yeah, I had to drop it, but it's such <laughs> a great story. Like I'm a clown like I'm here to amuse you. He doesn't really talk what? like that. But. No, no. But <laughs> so, I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I told you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> so me, Joe, and God rest her soul, her mother, were in a club uh, called Helena's back in the days. Okay. And uh, hot club. Hot. Yeah. And that song came on, and I'm like, not really dancing with Joe's mom, but we're kind of standing there. But I start singing along, and then she starts singing along. And Joe was in the bathroom. He comes out seeing his mother and me singing, "I want some pussy." Wow. He wasn't too happy with me. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing to my mother? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what is it that you think you're fucking doing with my mother? <laughs> hey, wasn't too Let happy. Let me tell you something. I'll always remember that song. I love that. Hey, what does Joe Pesci talk like in real life? Just regular East Coast guy. Just like, just regular. What is he, does he, listen, does he know? I mean, he must know that guys like me, since I was in high school, have watched Goodfellas and that awesome speech about a bazillion times. And is he over it or is he like, what is his? He he likes fans. (laughs) He likes when kids come up and know his stuff that weren't even born when that movie came out. You know, or Raging Bull. I love Raging Bull. He likes it. You know, my favorite scene in Raging Bull, by the way, you know, now that we're talking about Steve, my favorite scene in Raging Bull is when, uh, when uh, Jake LaMotta wants Joe Pesci to punch him in the face. I love that scene. It was a great movie. That was a great movie. Great movie. I love I, I, I love jo- and Joe Pesci. I'm gonna say something here, and it's gonna be heard loud. And it's gonna be recorded. Joe Pesci seems like he comes across. I don't know how tall he really is, but he is a believable small tough guy. Like you believe he's the kind of guy that could stick a pen in someone's throat for making fun of you know his buddy or whatever it is. Sammy Gravano wasn't tall, right? <laughs> right. You know, exactly. You know what I mean? He was effective. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's you know. I love that. All right, so we're not going to dismiss an entire generation, probably because we need those fans, Pete Conti. Well, that's that too, but right? they don't really, you know, they don't run out and buy books. That's the problem. Well, you know, and I'll tell you something, hey, Robert. What are you reading right now? Forty-eight Laws of Power. Forty-eight oh. Laws. Look, oh. at, look at look at Pete's face. Oh, God Almighty, what's you, wrong with that? It just got, just let loose. Don't be a diplomat for Christ's sake. I just hate the book. I think because it, go I, ahead. Think, I think it's okay. like fucking. You guys um, are listening. What is fortune cookie? Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. And I think the problem with it, too, a lot of people I know, especially who did long stretches in prison, that's the only book they read. (laughs) No, seriously. So I think they just think that's the Bible for them. You know what I mean? And that's the four agreements? Sometimes, but this one more so. And everybody, like, in hip-hop reads it, and they're all, you know? And then it's a lot of bad shit, too. Let other people do the work and take, take credit for it. Like, you know, that isn't... It isn't what I want to do with my life. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that's contradictory. But I do know a lot of successful dudes that live by that. Yeah, Steve and I were talking about it, and I kind of feel like the same way Riley does, which is kind of like, you know, all of these kind of platitudes, you kind of fucking know, and it's not the same thing as experience or knowledge. You could read these. You know, I'm going to tell you, and let's take it at a generation. Let's not, let's not make it a generational thing. Let's just say. Because well, that's our generation. Well, let's right. just say this. 
let's just say this. One of the biggest American problems, I think, is they think that information is going to save the day. Yeah. They is, really think, like, if I know about it, then it's going to get fixed. And, and that's a bigger step than most of the kids are doing. He's reading a book. Most right. kids are getting their, their cues from reading memes. Now, right? That's the only thing. Now, I will say this. Now, as far as the 48 Laws of Power goes, I understand that it's not the, you know, the 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 best book as far as you know good wise but i wanted to read it to understand what's good wise well well, what i mean by that is like you know i understand people i I know i understand that people say it's like a book that you know you can use to manipulate people and 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 um man you can't even do that with that book unless you like (laughs) that's what i'm saying that's what people that's what people are saying yeah unless you use that book to like hit someone in the head maybe I, I, I've heard about it, so I wanted to check it out and kind of understand it on my own. But, Great. but I'm not I'm not reading it thinking like, oh yes, I found the magical power. That's not it. What it, What are you reading it for? To understand so that people that do read this book don't use those tricks on me. That's good. That's Let good. me ask you a question. Where yes. are you at in the book? I'm about chapter Two. ten. <laughs> no, 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 chapter ten. Yeah. Okay, and what for all the people that are coming after you, Robert? And this is your chance, right? You're gonna tell them. What's the what's the real takeaway from this forty eight laws of power thing? Uh, the real takeaway is some laws you can apply, and you know it's not really a form of manipulation. Like you know, uh, one of them is uh, what's one of the one is one of the laws. Um, always say less than necessary. That, okay. that, that that's a good one uh, for me because you can't take back what you said. So if you say too much, you might have given away too much information. Uh, for me, uh, go ahead. No, so, you know, this is interesting. What are you doing that you got to be so secretive about? I mean, like, you talk, sometimes Just, when I talk to you, you're like, hey, I got this, I got to keep this on the low, yeah. and I'm going to say I'm this. I'm a very private person. I don't really yeah, like to put everything. Yeah, what is that? It, it, it's nothing. It's just <laughs> private. I'm, I'm a private person. I don't like putting my stuff out there. You don't? No. You don't? There's no need for it. For me. Right. Yeah. I right. like to keep to myself, keep people away. Yeah. Except yeah. then you go on a podcast and well, you're like, yeah, I'm here now. Yeah. You're here now. I'm man. here now. You sure are, man. Yeah, I'm here now. That's interesting. So how many more laws do you have to read? You're on like 46? No, no. There's, I'm on 10, so I have about another 30 plus. Wait, there's a chapter per fucking law? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's per law. It's not a, it's one law. It's do you have this law. book with you right now? No, I do not. God damn it. You know what? Let me tell you something. Throw that Go book ahead. away. I give you okay. three rules of success. You hang out with me, K. I'm going to show you some shit. And I'll tell you for real. Sounds good. You ain't going to get manipulated by anybody. I tell you, I'll show you how to do a headlock on a guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I'll it is. I'll tell you good. a book that's even more. Yes. Well, I guess in the. When the time when it came out, The Catcher in the Rye. Oh, yeah. Was, you know, nearly banned. And when right. you read it, you understand that for somebody 13, 14 years old who was warned not to read this book or, you know, read it with supervision, because you see the character, uh, Holden, he's uh, challenging the system that exists in his time, you know, the authority figures. He's a he's a guy that, you know, parents wouldn't want their son to be. But he's a smart, smart as a whip, sharp, you know, he he ventures out. And I think that that book, the dangerous part of it, as it was said at the time for someone, is that, you know, you're so influenced by outside sources, you know, at 13, 14 years old. That's why it was you know, banned. Dangerous, like it was poisoning the youth, giving yeah. them some rebellious. Given to you in school now too. Yeah. Yeah, but listen, yeah. let me tell you something. 
Catcher in the Rye, which is interesting that Riley brings it up because a major part of Catcher in the Rye is a fart. A major part. There's that scene. It's like one of the funniest. I love it where that funeral director comes and talks to the kids about his successful business and how he prays to Jesus for more dead bodies and he's so happy. And during that, some kid cuts a huge fart and the headmaster like loses his mind and he's like, whoever that kid is that farted during does not deserve to attend this school. So you see, maybe Riley, you're on to something. Maybe the, the universe, is farting is the universal, universal language. I'll tell you something. Hey, I'll I, tell you something. Put the fucking, yeah. I'll tell you something. I mean, Robert suggested the book to me. I went and looked at it. He showed me a picture of it. Oh, you know what? I'm going to have to get that book. I'll look into it. I had never heard of the book. You guys all heard of the book. I didn't hear that book. Which one? Uh, this book. How 48 many? Laws 48 of Power. 48 Laws okay. of Power, you know. Um and then I told Chumahan, before I could get half of the book title out of my mouth, Chumahan's like, man, fuck that book. Any <laughs> book that's got the number, this many of that, a bunch of bullshit. It's the shit you already know anyways. And I heard him, I was like, I agreed with him. I was like, yeah, you know what, it's all this shit. Every time I pick up one of those books, like the Four Agreements or this, it's the answer that I already, I already knew this shit, you know? Um, about the 164 put, pages. No, not yeah. that, that I won't say. But and there listen, ain't a number in that title. Yeah. Nope. And listen. Uh, but let me tell you something else. Listen. I got a book for you to read, though. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. What? I got, got a book for you to read. I'm going to give it to you. Then you're going to read it. Well, am I going to find out the title of nope. this book? What? Nope. Listen, you're going to get it I got and a, read it. I got two books, right? If you want to stop fucking around, mm -hmm. you want to get serious, <laughs> stop playing this fucking bullshit, yeah. right? You want two books for you to Number one is a book entitled What is Real? Okay. Right? The, life and the other one's gringo. And the other one's gringo. <laughs> Thank you. That's all yeah, you need to know. Give yourself yeah, a cheer yeah, on that. Thank you. That's too Listen, yeah, yeah. let me tell you something. But I'll tell you something. Right now, what I'm reading. What I'm reading. I just finished a book about Ulysses S. Grant. Read oh, that, brother, young that man. That sounds fantastic. By Chernow. Read <laughs> Bro, that. Robert, you want to learn about power? You want to learn about power? Listen. There's 48 rules, there's divorce, there's a bunch of platitudes. Anybody could say that shit. Talk about a guy who went from nothing. And I mean, when I say nothing, he was in debt. Okay. Selling plywood on the corner, right? Selling cordwood, cordwood, firewood on the corner after he'd already been in the Mexican-American War, down on his last fucking nigga, had to borrow money, right? And he would sell wood on the corner. And a drunk, by the way, an alcoholic, struggling through that and he went broke as fuck and paid back this southern guy he borrowed the money from it was five bucks which back then was blah 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 pays him back five bucks right and the guy looked at grant and said you look so fucking pitiful i cannot take your money and grant said now i can't have anything around me that i don't own you take this five bucks five years later the guy he paid back the next time he saw him was in the mansion at Appomattox, and that guy he paid back was the assistant to General Lee, who was surrendering to General Grant, who was head of the Northern Army. Think about a change in fortune at that level. You read what makes Grant a great general, besides his downsides. Right. Right? Right. You read what makes Grant a great general, and you will learn a lot about two things. One is how to execute in a war. Yeah. Okay. And number two, how to overcome deficits. Like he had legit problems. 
and he overcame those uh, 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 to defeat. Which in the beginning, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to get on the whole thing. I was about to go crazy about how a lot of people try to say that the Civil War is not about slavery. It absolutely was. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, but my point is, read that. That was a real huh? guy that really existed. It's not principles divorced from reality. That it, you know, it's not. Right, right, right. And did it all before mobile phones and internet. Yeah. It did it before television. Yeah, exactly. Did it before cars. Yeah. This motherfucker, Grant would ride horses. And he was a great horseman, and he hated people who beat horses. That was his one thing. And he could ride these horses side saddle through the water. He was, they would, they, circus came to town, and they made a bet when he was a kid to throw him off of this horse, and the guy made the horse go crazy and all this other stuff, and Grant wouldn't even hold the fucking reins. He just was able to be on the horse and not get thrown off without even holding the reins. That's how this guy was. Interesting guy. Reading about, now I'm reading about Crazy Horse. Right? Crazy Horse, which was not his actual name. The name is actually Man Whose Horse is Crazy. And he inherited the name from his dad, who was a medicine man. And right now I'm reading about, you want to read about power? Listen, another thing will be interesting. Read about Crazy Horse. Read about, isn't so fascinating, how they made a bow. This guy just goes right into explaining how bows were made. How, how you'd have to hang the ash branch you know piece of wood up in the smoke hole for five years to let it harden and get right and then how you shaved it down and how you put the notch in the top and the sinew and all this other stuff how to make a bow from scratch that it's it's amazing that um that we still have that and you can still learn that and there's something really if you want to learn about power there's something to be gained just about that craftsmanship time and energy put into one thing mm-hmm the expertise that's the stuff that's lacking in this day and age is craftsmanship and people devoting time and and energy to to a craft to learning and gaining because uh, there's so many people that are just so quick to just like you said like if they could read it oh now i know this shit motherfucker ain't experienced shit but he saw it and watched a couple youtube you know what i'm saying right absolutely so much you know like I, i was teaching about 20 years ago i was teaching about uh, sharecropping, cotton picking. Yeah. And I was teaching middle school during the day and I was working at BB King's in New York at night. So, BB you know, King's Cafe. Uh, it's a club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they have acts that come in, yeah, deep yeah, fried yeah. pickle chips. So, so, I yeah. love that shit. So, BB, BB would come in like every two, three months to do a show. Got right. to know him a little. Right. So, he goes, I was teaching. He thought it was so funny. I was a teacher. And um, I said, oh, good. What are you doing? Well, doing stuff about cotton picking and stuff. He goes, what do you know about cotton picking? I said, I don't know anything about cotton picking. I'm from Canal Street. What do I know? He he goes, but what do you think you know about cotton picking? I go, well, to be honest, it seemed like a really easy job. He's like looking at me. I go, well, it's easy. You know, cotton's light. How hard can it be? He goes, you ever pick cotton? I said, I said, no, but it just seems easy. He goes, well, let me tell you this. This is about instead of just looking at a video on it, two seconds, someone who did it. When you go to pick the cotton, it's like got all these jagged edges, like it's almost like broken glass. Right. So every time you go to pick that cotton, your fingers are getting fucked up, right? right. So they would, somebody built him a little guitar, he's like seven, eight years old, and he would play it for the shantytown at night, and they used to hide him under the women's dresses um, so he wouldn't fuck up his fingers, right? Right. How are you going to learn about anything without that story? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And that's where I think reading someone's life 
you can really get knowledge as to what's going on. Because I never thought about picking God when I was a kid learning it in school because it never went into that detail. Right, and it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Those right? textbooks do not go into not. And you know, the other thing, and uh, we've got Jewish friends that are in the room right now. Another thing that I don't think today we really, really think about, really. I mean, people in your guys' respective um you know, your culture or whatever, dude, because you guys put a lot of time into remembering and all this other stuff. But I don't think the rest of America's got kind of amnesia on just how bad Nazi Germany really fucking was. Like, it's an amnesia. Like, they don't, they don't get, like, I, I'm just talking to my wife. She's, and she's educated. My wife's an attorney, but she's a millennial. And we were watching a World War II thing, right? And, and in the World War II thing, they were talking about how the Nazi Germans actually made lampshades out of people. Yeah, of course. And it blew her fucking mind. <laughs> she was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's a thing. That really happened. That's Everybody knows it. She's like, I didn't know that. Now my friends don't really know that. I'm like, listen, that's a legit... <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. That's a thing. That's real. Yeah. I mean, imagine the kind of mind it would take to do that. Or think to do it. Right. right? If you're doing Insane. it because you're forced, that's one thing. But to think, hey, let's make some lampshades. <laughs> right. Of these people's this skin. is good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wild. This wasn't Halloween dress up. Right. <laughs> this was on a daily, huh? That's just kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like an entire country, too. And like, yeah, I talk to people and they're like, well, you know, most of the people weren't really for it. And I'm like, yeah, it's true. And I, I hear what you're saying. And I'm not trying to demonize a whole group. But there is a part of me that's like, you know, they sure a lot of people went along with it. Yeah, they did. Sure a lot of people went along with it. That's kind of crazy. Anyway, so yeah, General Grant. Uh, making a bow. Making a bow. Uh, crazy horse. Um, what is real? What is real? Gringo. Gringo. You got all that. You that that's, that might be all you need. Yeah. You run for presidency. Yeah. Ready for the Sounds good to me. Listen. If now you can start transporting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Where's this uh pump guy? Yeah. Go see if you can get a little pump. He's not here yet. Guys, guy's not on time. Does that shock anybody? Ah, uh, you know. The not pumps, a, the pumpsters. They don't know his little pump probably ain't gonna show up. Oh, they don't realize that yet, huh? Lil yeah. Pump probably ain't going to show up for over there. You know what? You're probably fucking right. Saturday this early? Yeah. Studio you know, time, money Hey, you know what? It ain't even universal. You know what I mean? You're, you know what? You're 100% right. Somebody hustled them and was all like, hey. All day long. They do that all day long. He probably promised fucking six fucking youth centers he's showing yeah. up today. Yeah. Like my fucking kid. He ain't showing up with nothing unless they've got fucking $100,000 from the show up. Lil Pump. Lil Pump, pump, pump Lil yeah. Pump. But two live crew would have showed up. Yeah, yeah. two live crew would have showed, showed up. Um, well, right. Lil Percocet, Lil Xanax, Lil Pump, Lil... Lil Zeno. <laughs> yeah. A little, little, uh, Lil Lil. Hey. <laughs> Lil Lil. Lil Lil. <laughs> hey, um, so... Lil Ambien. Lil Tylenol. Lil Ambo. Mm. Hey, what about Preparation H? That guy's great. Little Preparation H. Little Preparation H. H, son. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing is, is I was I was looking at some of these. Now, look, you're not going to say it because you're selling a book and you're a diplomat and you're a very good guy. But some of these book signing. good. These book signing <laughs> guys, these book signing things kind of like, you know, I'm watching it and I'm like, you know, 
I'm not gonna say who, but there was like one where the person was like clearly not in your lane, and this person was gonna do a little speaking before you spoke, and then, and it got flowery, and it's very. Do you ever get annoyed at these book signings by all that stuff? Like, do you ever sit there and go, "Listen, I fucking flash bomb the fucking I, I did all this other shit. I gotta sit here and listen to you know." The, the, you know, whatever, the, the queen of the library explain all the other. Just give me the mic. Let me tell this fucking thing. Do you ever I, get annoyed at these things? I think I know which one you're talking about. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I, I hope it's not when I introduced no, them, by the way. We had the, the elderly lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, before yeah. us. Right. Yeah, we didn't know. Uh, she comes from a different perspective. Right, but see, that's what I mean. You're a diplomat. You're cool. But like, is there a part of you that's like, listen, it's a bunch of like, and I'm a liberal. Look, I'm a more progressive than you're supposed to be, right? I'm ready to tear, <laughs> listen, I'm ready to tear down the system, really. <laughs> ask Steve every other day. I'm like, yeah, fuck this. But my point is, is like, when I see some academia stuff, like it's a little flowery and liberal and academia-ish, they kind of talk to you scared a little bit. They're like, and almost like you're... Um, like an object or like somebody who... He doesn't have horns. Wow. How about yeah, that? Yeah, you know, and they come to you and they're like, oh, and they, you know, or the guys in the thing that ask the question, but they're really just trying to say their point. Like there was one guy in his thing that was like, oh, man, can you talk a little bit about how, how much the... Hey man, can you talk about how much the prisons really control shit outside? And, right. and then you know, like like he's on the inside. This guy's five fucking characters <laughs> from the barbershop in one. <laughs> Does that shit annoy you, man? You well, you you know that some people have an agenda. Yeah. Right. Right. That guy was trying to get to, uh, like, there's so much. Uh, black hand control going on <laughs> you know that's that, to me that's in the realm of uh was there a second or third shooter yeah yeah some people can't accept that one man who's not leading a full army can change the course of history right and they want to ascribe the black mystery to it yeah and uh, i'll accept it boy you know these big bankers they're controlling the world well, yeah. calm the fuck down yeah. yeah, the big bankers. None of them got brought up on charges because of the uh, the uh, the market crash. Well, what crime did they commit? Right. The guys that got brought up on charges were the the regular everyday folks who lied on their loan applications uh. with some nefarious ass uh, uh, realtor who worked with some other character. Those are the ones that got brought up because those are the ones who lied. Right. So. I'm 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 able to accept. Okay, did Epstein kill himself? No way. Listen, no, no way. way. The two guards I, took I a nap at the same time. I haven't issued my response yet. <laughs> 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 Is it possible he could have been taken out? Well, how much easier would it have been for all these people he had dirt on? To just whack his ass while he's walking down Fifth Avenue. That'd well, be a little bit easier. Maybe. I mean, listen, I guess I'm going to I'm not saying ex exactly. I'm gonna I defer, wasn't in New York, so I'm gonna I don't defer, know. Uh, listen, I'm going to defer to you to a, up to a point because you've obviously planned some shit out, so you know how hard it is to get a guy. So I could see where you'd be like, look, let me, you know, all things being equal, if it was down at fucking you know, at, at Whole Foods, it would have been a lot easier than trying to get up inside a prison. Yeah. However, looking at a guy like Epstein, you'd have to also say, wouldn't you, that very little in that guy's life did he ever feel guilty enough to kill himself for. Well, I would say he probably got to the point, is that Lil Pump? Is that his, uh, 
Is Ram Fly pulling up? Nah, I think that's just regular pump. Uh, <laughs> it's just a regular that's pump. Sport. Yeah, pump action. <laughs> Don't you? I mean, because I was looking at it. I know what you're saying. Like, look. Part of me though was like, yeah, is it, what's Epstein gonna kill himself for? Well, I'll tell you this. I had a good life before I went in prison. And had I received the life sentence, I was waiting. Yeah. And if it went bad, I wasn't about to stick around 10 years for appeal. I was getting to the yard, getting the outfit, and it was over. Right. So this motherfucker lived probably 50 times more lavishly than I did. Right. There's no way he was going to sit around and wait for you motherfuckers to throw darts at him. And he's this, he's that. For yeah, the but, possibility that he might get one yeah, but don't you think person I, to say not guilty. Yeah, but I don't think it's that. Don't you think Epstein had enough dirt on high-powered people that no. he thought he was going to be able to get out? I thought Epstein knew that he wasn't going anywhere and uh, he had reached his, the end of the road and it was over. Okay, so, but also the camera that was covering the thing, they lost the footage to that camera. Coincidence yeah. or not? Crazy coincidence. I can accept it, though. And on that same time, the guards took a nap. They took a break, which they never do. It was out of the ordinary. Coincidence or not? They probably took a break all the fucking time. It just still happened to be that time that they got a dead body on their hands. This is an interesting yeah. thing we find ourselves in. I, my, my first month uh, on level four in Corcoran, some some kid committed suicide. I'm laughing because of you'll see why. Yeah. But, uh, you know, everybody goes out for chow. The door's racked. You rack your door back. Some people leave it open because they stay back. When guy, I guess guys didn't see this going out. But when they came back from chow, that unit came back from chow. He was butt naked with a heart on with a note. You motherfuckers can worry about this dick now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now that's sending a message. He took. He he was out. Now, how did how did his neighbors on both sides, his homeboys yeah. that he walked to chow with every morning, missed that when they left out? Yeah, but Epstein wasn't in a in a group. Epstein was set aside, and he was under special watch because they already knew they had a hot one on their hands. Yeah, yeah. If it happened. Uh, then uh, bravo. But what I love is is that you're you're actually what I wouldn't expect. You're kind of on the other side of these conspiracies where you're like, you know what? Probably not. Probably not. You guys are saying all this shit. Like you were saying, I think I understood what you were saying with the Kennedy thing. It's like a lot of people don't want to believe that one person could actually do that. Change I can't believe that Pete Conti has to get up and leave right now. Yeah, I got What are you doing that's so important? Teaching an online class. At, and then they go Brett, just put the, listen, I got a, a computer right here. Just do it right and here. And then when I get fired, you're going to give me my money? Yeah. Because <laughs> I will get fired in about two. Don't actually, worry, it's in the mail. Actually, Riley's going to be speaking to my class, uh, classes on the 5th. So, awesome. Yeah, right. Well, hey, a published author. Yeah, yeah. I get hey, it. Hey, what? Okay. So Epstein died, whatever. We don't, who, who knows? Okay. He's dead. For he's sure. dead. He's dead. Publishing. Or is he? How did you get, yeah, he's on an <laughs> island. With, listen. Hey, Pete. Well, hey, we're going to say goodbye to Pete Conti. Pete Conti's taking off right Pete. now. All right. Pete, let's give Pete a hand. Yes. Hey, brother, thank you Pete for coming Conti. in. Pete Conti. Go pick up the copy of Gringo. Gringo. Conti means genius in Italian. Isn't that what that means? Yes. Yeah. Hey, All right. <laughs> my man yeah all right pete conti thank you brother thank we you love you man much. le petit pete hey pete yeah. i'll talk to you a little bit later thank you okay bro.
Every message is like that with Steve. There's like an official goodbye, and then there's like a, hey, I'll t- you know, the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, let me ask you this, though. Uh, publishing. So you got published. How hard was it to get published? Ah, there's a, it's, you know, it's, a, it's like the velvet rope. How do you, how yeah. do you get on the yeah. inside? I was fortunate. My buddy, Scotty Kahn, who I would speak with over the years when I was in, right. always asked me what I was working on. Yeah. So when I came out and knocked the book out, I handed it off to him and said, you were asking me what I've been working on. Here you go. Uh, he had just published his uh, collection of plays. Oh, awesome. So he got my manuscript over to his publisher. And, and the rest is history. Yeah. And he told me, you know, publishing is a, a very slow process. Right. This was in tw- early 2016 that they said they wanted to do it. We didn't sign off into 2017. 2018, it comes out. And were there any editor? Did an editor come through and say, hey, we want you to change this or that? Nothing substantive, but like, did you get your balls busted by an editor at all? Or did they have someone do the spell check shit for you? Or how did that work? So, yeah, they put an editor on, even though I had already finished a book. Mm-hmm. So the ed- ed- editor comes on. And he was, uh, one thing he was saying is he wanted to cut. You notice when you're reading, each time I go to one place in the county jail yeah. the next building yeah i talk about how I'm, I'm given the rules of the road for that house next place next place. he says and you know it's, it's getting redundant <laughs> blah, 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 blah. i said well no it's important because i remember an og telling me no matter where you go you're always going to be the new guy at some point right you can have you could be down 10 15 years you get transferred to a new prison <coughs> you're the new guy right new guy in that new in that prison not in the overall system. Right. And um, it's incumbent upon your team to give you the rundown, the rules of the road. Because if you don't, you get the whole crew into a wreck. Right. So he's like, great, at that story, that conversation. So what he did is he pulled more out of me where he wanted, you know, we got to cut, but for it to stay, and I understand why it's there now, yeah. you add that story in where you had that conversation with the older, older guy. So what he, yeah, he, he actually pulled more out of me after the book was finished. So, and where, and the publishers in what city, L.A.? Yeah, they're local L.A. publisher, Rare Bird. They, um, and you go into their office, and, and do they talk to you on the phone first, or do you go in an office with these guys? Because a lot of people have, everyone that's listening right now has got like a book in them, right? Yeah. Steve, you got a book in you, right? I got yes, about sir. 15. Right. Robert, you got a book in you, right? Yeah. What's the title of your book? 49 Go. Laws of Power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the 49 Laws of Power. <laughs> and Swedish has got a photo book, and he's thinking about it right now as he twists his that crazy beard. Now, look, uh, you go into the room, right, and you go in there, and the editor comes out, and, and like, w- w- is the conversation, like, he's telling you, like, listen, we got to cut this, or are you guys able to just be normal, or is it weird? Oh, it's, yeah, it's it feels like we're just hanging out. Good. Once I meet the well, the first time I met the publisher with Scotty, um, Scotty wanted to be there because he wanted um, he wanted this guy to see me with him, just as ordinary folks. Right. So we met up at Swingers. Right. Did you get turkey <laughs> we, chili? No, it was, oh, okay. was kind of hot, so <laughs> turkey would have been a little bad. Um, we had lunch, bullshit conversation, just to fill each other out. Right. Because he's about to make an investment. Right. In me, beyond my my work. Right. He's about to invest in me, whether or not he can trust that I'm going to be on the road in 
presentable. Was it one of those? Correctly. Was it one of those meetings where like you put your arm around him a little bit and squeeze his shoulder kind of hard and you're like, listen, this is gonna be a good partnership if you understand, <laughs> right? Was it one of those kind of meetings? No, nah, leaning right. on him yeah, would, have, nah. would have been a bad one. Jumaan uh, wants it to be like that. I do. He's hoping it's gonna be I like that. I try to get bit. Steve to lean on everybody. I'm like, Steve, look at this gas station attendant. This guy's fucking. Around. Yeah, let's put him in a headlock. Let's take him for a ride. Let's take. Let's, let's give him a ride around the block real quick. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So you have a normal conversation, yeah. all right? Obviously. And then I meet the uh, editor. What's the editor like? Later. Is he wearing a tweed jacket with the fucking patches on the elbow? Or what's nah, he coolest dude. Yeah. Uh, my editor guy, uh, guy's been a, I mean, he's much younger than me, but he had worked at four or five different publishing houses. Smart before. dude. Real sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. And then I, when I got my first edit notes back, I had over two thousand corrections to make. Damn. But it was little shit. Right. You know. Oh, he says Punctuations, probably. this and that. Nothing, nothing that. substantive. Nothing, it was just, you nothing, know, little right. shit. The biggest substantive edit portion of the edit was pulling out that story. Um, you know. Do they send it to you in a Word document and then you correct it from there? Or how do they send you the notes? Oh, yeah. We got, a, we got a red line copies. and You see, you know you what I do in there. a situation like that? I just go right up to review and accept all changes and stop tracking. <laughs> I don't even bother. I'm like, whatever. What, I got to so get going. I was initially changing it myself. <laughs> then about a, a chapter in, I was like, hold on. If I agree, I just won't say anything about it, right? Right. Because if I would have continued my way, right. a month later, I might have finished going over the notes. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, any, there was nothing... What exists right now is pretty much what I turned in. Right. Uh, with the biggest thing. And then five, six, seven other eyes saw it before it went to press. Right. And then I got it back one more time. Like it goes to press Monday. I got it back on a Friday. Last chance to change anything. Did you read it and try to change anything? I read it. My girlfriend, she was reading it with me and she saw stuff I didn't see that these seven other eyes didn't see. Small right. little things. Right, you know? right. Your eye after a while just starts missing Trust shit. me, I know, dude. I got to write emotions all the time and I have I pass my emotions through my office and other people and then shit comes back to me and I'm like, how did you miss this? You know, plurals are not supposed to have uh, an apostrophe. Sorry, I hate to tell you this. What am I supposed to be? I do this all alone? I can't do this. Anyway, I go crazy. But um, let me ask you this then. Okay, so that's, so you do all that now. Now, how does it feel? How does it feel when you finally see your book like on a shelf or a store window? Yeah, it was a good feeling. My, uh, my book launch was at Diesel Bookstore, right. which is my home bookstore here in Santa Monica, Brentwood. Yeah. So me and my buddy Andy, we go... Yeah, they they put us up in a room while the crowd is filling. Yeah. Peter, my girlfriend, and um, two other buddies are managing the crowd. And I anticipated maybe 70 folks, 80 folks, which would have been a good turnout. Right. But when we come, me and Andy come down from the the room they had us stored in, the outside court courtyard was, there was over maybe 200 30, 40 some odd folks. Wow. Friends, families, folks that I didn't even think were coming. <clears throat> um, coworkers. You Did, know. Was your grandfather able to see this? No, he's been 
he's been passed. Did you do push-ups to get pumped up for the crowd? Because like, <laughs> Steve and I. Were well, you doing push-ups in the in the fucking yeah. hotel room, Steve bro? And I did, uh, we Truth. do some. We do push-ups. <laughs> we do push-ups. Com- competitively. Yeah, we do. We get fucking pumped up. <laughs> pull out the deck. We of don't cards. do them competitively. We, sh- we do them together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we, we do pull out the deck of cards like five. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're just... right, we come out, you know, get a little vein, a little yeah. more vein uh, articulation before we hit the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little right? more vascular. Exactly. Well, you know, I had never spoke before a crowd you right, know? really so that was my first time uh, a friend of ours uh, wife is an acting coach so I went to her to work on and Peter was grilling me for weeks uh, getting it down me you know Peter moderated the event right so I didn't want to fuck up right, right. <laughs> I'm not used to um, speaking to a whole crowd and now I have to read yeah so in reading it I didn't expect to get emotional when That's I did. That's what I saw. You got real emotional. Yeah, man. I didn't expect. I mean, I wrote the shit. I looked. I read it over fifty thousand times in edit, and then just at that moment, my buddy Frankie, who stuck it out with me through the whole ordeal, he was in the crowd. So as I'm reading it, you know, I hear him tell me, you know, you know, it's all right, just slow yeah, down. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I kind of got mad at that. I actually got mad at that because I was like, you know what? Let this man be emotional. Like, let him do his thing. Like, like we don't need to control it. Yeah. Well, he he was he was there. Granted, he was on the free side. Right. You know, he was there with me through every fucking court hearing. You know, right. And I, I'm not saying that to say like he shouldn't support his friend. That's not really what I'm saying. What I was saying was is like at that moment I saw in you like real raw emotion coming across, and it it, it, it struck me. It was powerful moment. Even, you know, time later on a fucking YouTube, it's still an actually very powerful moment. And, I, and, and just generally, I wish people would allow men especially, right? Men who've done things, right? Not men who've done things to express raw emotion without having to manage it. There's nothing wrong with getting tripped up on your words, words that you wrote with your hand when you were in a place where there was no freedom in a place where you may have been feeling some self-loathing, in a place where it wasn't quite sure how all this was going to turn out, questioning yourself, all that stuff that you put into it. And now here you are, and it's real. It's more than real now. It's not just, you know, editing, and the book, you know, comes in the cardboard box here in front of, like, 300 people, and it's real, and now you're going to read these words as a testament. And you were getting kind of choked up. And it was a really nice moment. And that's why I'm saying, like, sometimes I wish society would allow men to just Let feel. it flow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a good moment. And uh, then we, ended, we had some laughs even in yeah. that. So the equivalent of a fart yeah. would be that this is in an open courtyard. Police helicopters went over. You yeah. know, and everybody caught the uh, yeah, the yeah, connection. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. You know, we all stopped. And then as they passed the second time, I was like, you know, they're not here for me. <laughs> right. Everybody laughed, yeah. Yeah. yeah but, uh, yeah, it was it was definitely nice to look out in the audience and, you know, pick out certain people to focus on. And I'm like, damn, I didn't know he was coming. Mm. Yeah, but trudged through it. You know, another passage that you were talking about that you got kind of choked up on, maybe it was the same one, I think it was a different place, though, was when you talk about how, what was it that after you got convicted, after you pled guilty, I guess, right? You pled out. You were like, fuck it. What was it 
what what made you want to thank the detectives who busted you? Yeah. Well, as I said, they had a job to do. I'm the uh, cops and robbers. I knew my position. And uh, they carried out their job uh, with with an ethical approach. You know, and there was almost a a respect for your position as the the guy chasing me. Right. And, you know, they could have went overboard. They right. could have planted the the bloody glove. Right. <laughs> you know, they where they knew where they thought they had it all wrapped up from the beginning. You know, we had a couple of we had a couple of trick cards. We played it and it became ah. So coming to the point of negotiating a plea bargain, it was one of those, yeah, we got to let this one ride, you know. They knew it. They knew that they knew the system just as much as I did. Right. And there wasn't there wasn't much else to that they were going to get out of it. Uh, I played the part of the convict and, you know, good luck. And going through the system coming out, I had called the uh, detective and invited him to the uh, to the book reading. Right. You know, so just out of, I guess, uh, respect for the industry. <laughs> you know, are you listening to this, Robert? Are you listening to this? Uh, he was respecting the industry as a, as a whole, <laughs> the whole, right? Right. Yeah. But so, what was did he show up? Yeah. Was he there? Yeah. What was his attitude afterwards? Did he shake your hand? Congratulate uh, he, you? He got on. I, he he kept it. Um, he had just retired, so when I called to Parker Center, they patched into someone. I left my info. He called me back, block number and all. You know, he's a retired cop. He's just right, trying to right. hang out on this sailboat. Uh, and he, he left it vague. I might show up, you know. Right. But he did show up. Yeah. That was that's interesting, man. Yeah. That is interesting. Like that to a certain extent. Did you shake their hand when you thanked them? The detectives? Yeah, yeah. So I the day I took the plea bargain, I told my, my attorney and uh, I see him go whisper to the DA, and the DA's looking perplexed, like, like, is this guy playing a joke? Right. And when he comes over, I tell him, I want to thank you. He's like, well, what's this about? I said, well, you treated me with respect throughout. You know, you had a job to do, and I thank you. And he said, well, good luck to you. I said, all right. You see, that's a guy that respects the game. Do you know what I mean? That's a guy that respects the game. That's a guy that's like, listen, you're on this side. It's like heat. It's like heat when Pacino and you know like yeah. we're two guys, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like that. He, he, there's a certain element of class to that, don't you think, Steve? Yeah, I wasn't that classy. I ran into the officer that <laughs> locked me up after I got out. Charles Charles Kaufman, Culver <laughs> City PD, uh, fucking AA meeting, and that guy tried to put his hand out. Hey, it's good to see you out. I don't want to shake your hand, scumbag. Right. I embarrassed him in front right. of his people and kept on walking. But Keep it going. He was a douchebag. Yeah. But Riley and, said, and and uh, he, this guy wasn't a guy that. Oh, let's just. Resp- nah, man, this dude was a real piece of work. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but but what Riley's but, saying is is that yeah, right. So that guy is there's, so there's all kind of different. Just like there's all exactly. kinds of exactly. Well, right. from what he's describing. It's justifiably makes sense, you know. They played especially with, with the investigation, like he's saying was going on. They could have gotten dirty. Yeah. They could have just been scumbags about it. You listen, know? 
so yeah exactly riley is saying that like they were gentlemen in the sense that they played by the rules of the right, game right right and they just happened to get to this point yeah. right so they earned that without having to cheat right where and i'll tell you something it's funny you say that when i was in law school alan dershowitz came to the law school to talk about the oj simpson case and he definitely alan dershowitz said to all of us that he believed that, like, yeah, OJ did do it, but he was like, for sure, LAPD planted evidence to try to, to make a slam dunk case, and that was the whole problem. That was the that was the reason why all the all, if they would have left it alone and just done done their deal, and, and and had Furman tell the truth and be like, yeah, I said the N word. I mean, I'm on LAPD and I'm American. Who hasn't at some point? You know, let, let me let me just say this, just because you're on it. You don't think that somebody was like. Hey, if you just screw up this evidence, it's all dismissible. Just go louse up the evidence. Your job is just go louse up the evidence. What go touch it? a bunch of shit and fucking step on some shit and hand some shit off. And just so that we can get all that shit dismissed. Do you don't think that was at all? I mean, no, you're an attorney. You yeah, know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So in that case, in the O.J. Simpson case, is entirely possible that because there's certain elements of the case where you're like, but it sure looks like L.A. threw that case. Right, like, like, forget the cops. Even, how about the decision to move it downtown instead of leaving the case over near more Brentwood, which is who OJ was really living around? Why would, why would LA, why would the LA uh, County say, yeah, let's move it to downtown, let's move the trial to downtown? And then also, you got to ask yourself when it came to Furman, who was a known racist, like everybody knew it, and and and, and all that stuff. So it wasn't a secret, you know, and and you do you go behind the scenes before you do testimony and you 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 have the bad you know the other side of someone who pretends to be like the other side they do it in the presidential debate you bring somebody who represents the other side to push as hard as they can against the witness to, to find out like where are the cracks and you know how do we handle it when they go here and and so this case was always going to be about race and so of course you know the attorneys must have anticipated that johnny cochran was going to be like hey okay so you think like, so maybe they threw the case. <clears throat> and then you have this evidence situation. But when you, when, but there's other things that do explain it. Because that case came after the riots. Yeah. Right? And so I do think that it wasn't a good decision. But I do think there was some aspect that like, okay, either A, we're going to throw the case because we don't want black people to go crazy again and burn shit down. Or B, they're like, well... We're not going to throw the case, but we're going to move it so it looks fairer because we don't want black people to riot and burn shit down. I do think that that was the rationale for moving the case. <coughs> Why putting Marsha Clark as the prosecutor? I'm not entirely sure. Chris Darden is part of the optics and the, and the miniseries goes behind the scenes and shows you like that wasn't a good decision. Everybody kind of knew it, and they talked about it a little bit. Like that's just for you know looks. Well, she was for optics also. She was front front person is the a female. Right. This is a case of domestic violence. Right. And a man getting away with it. Right. Yeah. Now, as far as the evidence goes, now, is there a crooked cop? Let's say on the take, right? Whose whole job is to kind of mess up the evidence. And I would say the likelihood that it would be is higher if it's only one area of the evidence that's messed up. 
right? Like it's like one cop's responsibility. So Van Hatter, right? One of the things that Van Hatter did was he took O.J. Simpson's, the, the same shoes that they used in the trial, he legit put them in his trunk, it's undenied, and drove it home in Simi Valley. Right, he, the shoes, right? And overnight. So for an entire night, the, the investigating detective has O.J. Simpson's shoes, which he's later going to use to try to convict him. And nobody knows what's going on with that. So, okay, that doesn't sound right. But if it was just Van Adder. But when I watched the miniseries, which I highly recommend, beyond just the blood splatter, and one of the things was that the sock was on the side and they splattered it and you got the same pattern on one side of the sock as the other, which if, if it was laying flat on the ground and you just drizzled, uh, blood on it, you would get that, but if there was an actual ankle inside the sock and it was hitting the ground, you get different splatter on both sides. So, but that was a different cop that was handling that part. But the thing that convinces me that it wasn't that is because also the DNA evidence in a completely different department got screwed up. Why? <laughs> this is amazing to me. The, the, the forensic guy, I can't remember his name, he's Asian, right? And it just, just, just here's my little battle against racism right now. For everyone who thinks that Asian Americans are the, the model minority, they do everything mathematical, scientific, correct. This guy blows that shit right out of the water because the bodies, right? Nicole and Ronald Goldman, whatever. Dude, this guy, Barry Sheck. The, the defense attorney, Barry Sheck, his job is to contest the DNA evidence. Now, the DNA evidence is lock, stock, and barrel. Like, you, how are you going to beat that? That's science, my brother. Barry Sheck goes in, and he brings, he's got the forensic guy on the fucking stand, and he goes, eh, I'm showing you a picture from the crime scene. And he's got this giant poster, <laughs> and it's the two bodies, and there's a blanket over the bodies. And he goes, now, let me ask you a question here, um, forensic guy. Is that what he calls him? Yeah, I don't remember the guy's name. Friends. I don't, remember, I don't want to mess up his last name. I don't remember what it is. He goes, you see that blanket that's on the dead bodies? Is that a LAPD issue blanket? Wait, is Barry Sheck, is he Southern? No, I'm, I'm doing that. <laughs> but he's not Southern. It's a bit, you know, the lawyer shit's better when you go Matlock. All right, here we go. So... You know, he goes, is that an LAPD issue blanket? And and the and you could see on the guy's face, he's like, oh, here we go. He's like, no, it's not. He goes, oh, well, so where did you get that blanket? He goes, from the house. He goes, let me understand something, because maybe I'm a little fucked up right now. He goes, I, you took a blanket from the house, which has hair, DNA. Had O.J. Simpson ever been to that house, sir? Yes, he had. Is it possible that some of his hair and his DNA is on, that, on these blankets? I mean, it's possible. Okay, and you took that blanket and you put it on top of the bodies and the evidence. Yes. Is there any, now, do you know of something called DNA transfer? Yes, I do. Okay, so, isn't it, so he dismantled all the DNA evidence that was found on the bodies from the blanket, uh, the wrong blanket being put on top of the bodies. That's a completely different department in the in the simpson trial so yes i would think it would be one person if it was one detective that fucked all the shit up but it was like four or five different departments that fucked that case up for sure so i have to believe that part of it was political and then part of it was i actually think that most cop works pretty messy yeah. it's not csi that you see on exactly it's human error let's Listen, I was I was I was a clerk for the for the Ventura County 
prosecutor for a while when I was in law school. So I clerked for that. And I can tell you right off, like I saw a lot of evidence shit that came through was my job to help get it in. That was real fucked up that the cops did. Like it didn't make any sense. And there was a cop who on a DUI, I think I told you this, the probable cause hearing, the cop said, listen, I know exactly what to say. I'm like, what? (laughs) I'll just say that I saw this and I saw that. Just ask me. And I didn't ask him to do that. Like, I wasn't like, hey, we got a bad case here. You mind lying? He just offered that right up. And I got a real clear window into these are government people. Some of them are bad. Some of them are tired. A lot of them are mediocre. Some are great. Some are detectives. Real detectives. Some have strong moral, ethical. Right. And so they're doing it day in, day out, processing all this shit. So they're bound to be sloppy most of the time. Then you put... A double murder with fucking heads nearly falling off the body and right the uh, oh shit this is attached to OJ oh yeah and then you bring in I mean, listen he brought in the dream team I mean yeah. I mean that was the first time that it, he had Johnny Cochran who by the way it's worked for the LADA the whole time before this like he had, he knew the ins and out he knew everybody then you bring in uh, F. Lee Bailey who defended uh, that Patty Hearst. Then he brought in Barry Sheck, who was, he doesn't super famous in regular life, but everybody knew that was the DNA guy. And then Robert Shapiro, who was Mr. Uh, L.A., Bel Air. And then, uh, and then and the, F, the best thing in, to me, to me, that case would have been one, even with all the problems I just described, if Furman would have admitted he'd said the N-word. If the cop who was in charge of most of the investigation had admitted to being racist and that black jury was watching that and he would have been like, I have, I'm not proud of it. I've said it. If he would have done that, I guarantee you that jury would have taken a much longer look at like, maybe this guy is credible. He's being not real. Because they all knew he was lying the minute he said no. But the best, is the, the best thing is the way F. Lee Bailey sets him up. That's the best part of this. I, I drew... I watched the whole trial the whole time when it was on. When I was supposed to be getting my undergrad degree, I was the whole time watching this thing in class, listening to it on the radio. And the best was that F. Lee Bailey got Furman. Because F. Lee Bailey, and his guy is a, just a old drunk, iron sides, rock gut, fucking killer shark lawyer from the old school. So he had done cross-examination before like millions of times. He, he knew gets, how to do set it up. Oh, set it up. He walked yeah. right in there yeah. and he's like, Detective Furman, have you ever used a racial epithet for an African American person? <laughs> <laughs> Furman was like, No. So, Detective Furman, just to be clear, if somebody came in here and said that you had used a racial epithet, to describe an African-American person. Are you saying that that person would be a liar? I was like, oh, most definitely. <laughs> and he did two more questions like that. He's like, no further questions. And then within about a day, they had a recording of Detective Furman using the N-word on a recording. Right. And they played a police the recording, court. wasn't it? it? Actually, he was being interviewed by a screenwriter. And the screenwriter was writing about the LAPD and they recorded that and they got a hold of that tape and blew that shit right out of the... And that's when, I believe, they fully lost that case against O.J. Simpson. (laughs) Anyway, that's my passion project. (laughs) 
Very good. This people, is why your attorney partner. Yeah, people go crazy on me, and they're like, "Yeah, but OJ did it." And I'm like, "You know what? He probably did, but you can't have cops lying in in yeah. murder trials like well, that." Well, you know what did it for me was uh, the blood droplets inside the Bronco. How many times have you gotten fast food and you spill the ketchup? Right. That shit is increases you see a month later. Right. I'm not getting into my car blood all around me and all you have are droplets. Right. Just it's it's not gonna happen. There's gonna be blood on shit that I can't control that I don't even even if I do a good cleaning at two in the morning in the dark. Right. I'm going to miss the shit that slips through cracks. You know what? You're 100% correct because blood is viscous. Like, it's very liquidy, right? It's not thick. And it is going to seep down. And especially when you're in that frame of mind, you're going to be brushing against shit and not thinking. And it's going to get into all of the upholstery creases and shit. Yeah. You're 100% right. If you want me to believe that he was fully drenched in blood. Right. Throughout this event. Right. Because that's what we find at the house. Yeah. Oh, it's the heads are removed almost. Yeah. That's a lot of blood. If you want me to believe that and he used the Bronco, maybe he used another car. Maybe somebody right. helped drove. Right. But you planted that blood in that Bronco then. Now, listen, I knew a guy who was on the LAPD who was working for Shaquille O'Neal. My dad was putting together a deal with Shaquille when my dad was still alive. Uh, Starbucks is on, on reservation land. That was the whole thing. Shaquille was really into it. Anyway, his guy, his chief of his chief aide, I don't know, aide de camp or whatever you call him, attache. He was, he was on the LAPD. He said the going theory inside the LAPD, the real theory was that it was OJ's son from a prior marriage who actually had, you know, he reported, uh, the knives cause he was in, he was a chef. And that he also had carried on an illicit relationship with Nicole Kidman as well. And she was supposed to come to the restaurant that he was a chef at that night. Yes. Stood him up. Yes. And he also was um, already on pills for mood stabilizer. Right. Reportedly, yeah. he was on pills for reportedly yeah. yeah. uh, moods. We don't know for a fact. But that's what that was the going theory. Yeah. And the idea... Yeah, so you're right. And yeah. then it was actually OJ who tried to help him... Cover it up. Cover it up. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. Listen, we're getting the high sign, and because uh, we're now we're deep in the weeds on, on OJ. Yeah. But, dude, you want to come case. back and talk OJ. I yeah. talk OJ. Hey, man, case. Riley, I want to tell you, man, interesting, just a lot of great stuff said. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to reading your book. What is Real? The Life and Crimes of Riley Perez on Amazon. Get it. Get, Get it. it. Um, And you're working on some new projects as well? Yeah, you know, deal with the Hollywood machine and see uh, what we can churn out. So I keep our it. eyes open and ears open Yeah, for more things coming from you. Yeah. Get the book. It was a pleasure, man. I Thank want you, you for to yeah. come back Great. on here. I Excellent. want to talk about new projects coming up. Yeah. Uh, I know you and my partner want to talk about some more OJ stuff. Are you kidding and, me? A hundred percent. We can do that. But uh, it was a pleasure having you on, man. I thank you, you guys just, yeah. for having me. It was thank a you. Guy. Definitely a pleasure. Yeah. Where's That's little, it. No little pump. No little pump. No little pump. No little pump. No little, little, little funk. He's a he's a little little punk. Yeah. There well, that maybe that too. But there you go. Right now it's hasta la vista. We'll see you later. Adios from the Hard Luck Show. 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 The hard luck show.